106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on Earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. In this present crisis, Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. It is time to reawaken this industrial giant, to get government back within its means, and to lighten our punitive tax burden. And these will be our first priorities, and on these principles there will be no compromise. Now, so there will be no misunderstanding, it's not my intention to do away with government. It is rather to make it work work with us, not over us, to stand by our side, not ride on our back. Well, good day to you. This is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio, episode 44, and February 1, 2020, uh, the year of Trump. And so uh, we're happy to be here today, happy to be alive. Sitting here in Northern California, the sun's out. It's uh, mild today. Feels good. I just got myself a T-shirt and a sweatshirt and just regular attire. And it's feeling better than when it's free. It's either really hot in this house or gets a little chilly in this house. So, I, And I don't want to pay for the expensive Pacific Gas and Electric, which is 60% higher than anywhere else. Thank God I don't need to use any water but except a little couple cups to get through this talk because it's very expensive here. It's probably cheaper than to buy liquor. But I don't drink adult beverages, so <clears throat> I'll just stick with tea and coffee and water. And um, so I hope you're doing good wherever you are uh, nowadays. And with this podcast system, we you never know who's listening from where. But I know from hearing from a few of you, you're out there in uh, mostly the western part of the country. I, I think there's a couple listeners down in Florida. But uh, welcome. And however you got here. So maybe you, you stumble across our website at nohostagesradio.com. Or maybe you, you found us through your podcast source, like Apple or Google or something. However that happened, uh, welcome. And if you came through one of the sources, you can go to our website and easily, uh, if you're sitting at your laptop or at home and you <clears throat> you want to just click on something and listen through it, uh, there's all 44 podcasts there in one spot, and as well as uh, nearly 90 articles that I've written each week for the Territorial Dispatch uh, in Marysville, California, Northern California. It's a weekly 
paper that's on the internet, territorialdispatch.biz. It's also a hard copy that goes out to four counties up here of the 58 counties in California. <clears throat> so you can, if you're interested in that, you can glob onto it. I'm I'm not making any money on that, but I'm just telling you that, that the information's there if you want to read an article. Uh, so uh, let's see, anything else? Oh, you can email me at uh, Lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com, Lou at nohostagesradio.com, or you can text me at 530-713-1838. So let me start out by saying that an organization that I run called the Trauma Intervention Program, this is for you that live in Yuba, Sutter counties of California, <clears throat> we respond to 911 calls at the request of uh, all the emergency workers, different agencies, fire, law enforcement, medics, hospital. If you're interested and you have some time to give maybe three 12-hour shifts a month to go out on calls and you have time to go through our training, it's uh, about 35 hours of training starting on February 27th. That's a Thursday night in orientation. If you'd be interested in getting involved in that, you can join us. It's a nonprofit. And uh, so you donate your time, but we train you and we start on the 27th. We go over a two week period like Thursday, Friday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday and uh, half day Sunday. And then we do the next week. We do Tuesday night, Thursday night, Friday night and all day Saturday. And um, then we'll get you trained and get you some other other responsibilities done, other tasks done for you to prepare you to go out on calls. But if you'd like to do that, if you're 14 or above, you have to have a clean background. If you, even though you may be a totally changed, wonderful person today, if you've got anything in your background that law enforcement would be concerned about, that would probably exclude you from the program. So, uh, but otherwise you could send me, uh, you can shoot me a, a text at 530-713-1838. Say, hey, I'm interested in TIP. Or you could go to our website at Yuba Sutter TIP. That's S U T T E R, Y U B A S U T T E R, Yuba Sutter TIP.org. And you could go to the <clears throat> volunteer site and just fill out a little uh, email deal and it'll blast you right over to my computer. And then I'll, I'll give you a shout out by email saying, hey, call me up. So you can call me at that number as well to get any questions answered. If you call, uh, sometimes you get a voicemail, but I, I'm not like, uh, I'm not afraid of talking to people. So I do return my calls and I'll call you, uh, at reasonable hours, but I work around the clock. So I'll, you might get a call after what you think are work hours. So, uh, thank you again for listening. And if you're interested in tip, give us a shout out again, February 27th. You could wait to the last minute to jump on board. We're fine with that. <clears throat> We're flexible. we got to be flexible to work on emergency response uh, scenes, and so that's kind of how the organization runs. <clears throat> well, I'm not going to go over a lot of things other people go over uh, because uh, you, you heard it already. But I wanted to uh, talk some about uh, athletics and, and celebrities to start off with and how some people – uh, give greater attention or weight to the word about life and how to live life and what's important in life and what's important in the national interests, politics and all that. You give heavier weight to politician or to uh, 
celebrities and actors and and uh, folks that uh, make a lot of money or something, something. He's like, oh, my God, he said that or she said that. And uh, so sometimes like actors are just very good at acting. And just because they're very good at memorizing lines and being demonstrative and being able to pretend being a doctor or an athlete or a politician or a person of state, head of state, uh, doesn't mean that they have the brains to do that or the temperament. And so uh, I noticed I, I like to watch some uh, National Basketball Association uh, games. Uh, occasionally I'll catch it on YouTube because they don't have a television. And the Warriors, which are in my area, the Golden State Warriors, they were been very good for the last few years. They were fun to watch. But I noticed how the, the coach, Steve Kerr, just really began to flap his jibs about politics and uh, and just was a Trump, Trump hater and just was mocking Trump and wanted to shoot his mouth off. Now that he's uh, the team is seven and thirty eight or something like that, he's not talking so much trash. And uh, I don't mind him being a socialist, communist, whatever he is, liberal, uh, whatever. Uh but the, the interesting thing is I don't watch television. I don't even have a television hooked up, but I don't watch uh, things to listen. If I want to turn on sports, I want to, I want to turn on sports. In fact, I quit listening to KM, KM, I think it's KMBR or KNBR. It's a sports station in San Francisco because they just talk so much crap about about politics and stuff. I just want to hear a little sports talk. What's shaking with the 49ers or whatever. And, and it's like a, it's like I need to air out my brain. And the last thing I want to hear is somebody trashing somebody I think is really doing a great job, which is Trump. Now I'm totally for them. If they hate him and they love Obama, great. But I wasn't all talking trash on their radio show about Obama back in the day, calling up, chewing on Obama. They just said, hey, this is a sports talk show, dude. How come you're talking about all that sports talk, uh, all this politics? This is sports talk. Why don't you call the right station? Well, I think they 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 run out of sports stuff to talk about. So they end up just uh, talking about all kinds of other stuff. So I, I had a friend send me this uh, friend from Australia that now lives here in, in the Northern California area, and he's trying to get citizenship in the United States. But uh, if you're illegal from Central America or some kind of third world country, you can get right in. But he's a successful guy from Australia, and it's really a pain in the rear. But he sent me this, which I, I really appreciated. It's about Le, LeBron James. LeBron James uh, never has impressed me. Neither did Colin Kaepernick before he went off the rails, lost his mind. But even when, you know, when they appear before the media, they're such arrogant people. I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to know them. I wouldn't want to have coffee with them. Um, uh, and I'm sure they wouldn't want me either. That's what makes life great. There's seven billion people on the planet. So you can like stay in your lane and you don't have to come across them. And so uh, LeBron shoots his mouth off a lot. And so there's a lot of like I noticed Richard Sherman with the 49ers was, you know, the 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 media is is baiting all these guys and gals. So they I'm sure they asked Sherman if he wins the Super Bowl, if he if he would go to the, the White House. Of course, they're wanting to because he's black. Uh, they're just wanting to make hay out of that. Right. Because they want to call Trump a racist, which he's far from it. 
In fact, he's done more for the blacks than any other besides Abraham Lincoln uh, than any other president we've had. But um, so. So we're talking about uh, these people shooting their mouth off. And uh, so Sherman says, I I don't know whether I'll go to the White House or not. So immediately, uh, you know, I hope Sherman, I don't wish him ill on the, his occupation, which is football. Uh, but I really don't give a damn whether Richard Sherman goes to the White House or not. And if he's got a bad attitude and goes, I wish he'd just stay home, keep his bad attitude. Uh, what, what he believes in life about what, whether he believes that, that uh, a child is uh, alive at the time of conception or whether he believes you got to birth it to have it alive, I don't really care. I don't care whether he smokes marijuana, does heroin. I really don't care. And it's his life. And uh, so I I wish at some point they'd just say, you know something? Uh, All you athletes out there, screw you. Uh, I don't even want you over here at the White House. I don't care. I don't care. You you did good. Uh, All you professionals, because you're you're so above us. Like I noticed the college team that won the national championship. They went Uh, Louisiana. And but I just thought, uh, you know, maybe we should have these athletic teams fill out an application like, you know, if you want a visa, you go fill out an application. You want to go to visa, get a visa to to China. And uh, so you fill out a visa application and then you wait to get approved. Maybe we should have the uh, the teams request request a visit. Right. And um, sorry, I'm just uh, fixing. I thought I had everything on pause, silent, let me alone. Don't bug me. But I had one device yet uh, was thriving over here. So maybe we should go instead of just putting out a, a really a welcoming y'all come. Thank congratulations. If they all if they all want to tell Trump to go to hell and we don't want your congratulations, screw you, flip you the bird. Why don't we just reverse it? And then if any of the uh, the these athletic teams want to go to the white house, then maybe they should just put in an application and say, would the, would, would the president consider in inviting us? We would like to come if he would invite us. Maybe we ought to start there and just instead of all this, it just gives the media all this fodder. So the other day, president Trump, or I guess LeBron James likes to call president Trump a bum. Well, I have a concept on my, my mind. When somebody says a bum, I have a picture in my mind. that comes up. A stereotype picture, right? A never never do well, a drunk, an addict, or whatever, or a guy that's always mooching off people. Da 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 da. Right? I just have this picture that comes up from from my years of living in California. A bum. So, but I don't. I'm sure LeBron James doesn't because President Trump isn't broke. He is. He doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. In fact, he probably lives a lot cleaner life and a more a more moral life than LeBron James has has lived lived. But but be that as as it may, as someone once said, uh, I don't I think what LeBron James means by a bum is he doesn't like him. He hates him. So if you if LeBron James doesn't you don't smell right to LeBron, he calls you a bum. So there's a sports writer that wrote a letter to LeBron and I'm going to read it to you because uh, because it's good. And and uh, not many writers tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help them God. And if they 
if they don't believe in God, so help them themselves. So he says, Dear Mr. James, no one in my circles discusses French modernist artists. That comforts me. Such a conversation would expose me as an illiterate on French modernism, just as I am an illiterate on cooking and many other things. When I know nothing on a subject, my mouth stays closed. That's at least one difference in us. You are, in a, you are, you are an economics illiterate. You prove it often. The dishonest reporters, reporters in quotes, who cover you want to be your buddy. They won't embarrass you by being honest journalists and treating your words as economics illiteracy. When you call Trump a bum, none of them will tell you that statistics rank him as one of the best presidents for black Americans. His tax cuts and for, and for his tax cuts and freeing us from absurd regulations, they have resulted in, uh, after only 24 months, the lowest unemployment numbers ever for Hispanic and black Americans and one of the lowest numbers for women. During those 24 months, Trump's policies created about four times more manufacturing jobs than were created during your entire Obama administration's eight years. Remember, during the Trump campaign, when Obama mistakenly said, what's Trump going to do? Wave a magic wand? These lost manufacturing jobs aren't coming back. Just maybe manufacturing growth depends on a president who knows what the hell he's doing, as opposed to some smiling idiot that was nothing more than a community organizer. As a professional journalist, I cringe at some of Trump's buffoonery, like repeating sentences and wearing us out with great, fantastic, and other empty adjectives. He is egotistical and bombastic. He was not my original candidate, which just goes to show how wrong I was. But there's no question his policies have helped many more minority Americans than Obama. It's not even close. Today, he's working to free many black and Hispanic prisoners who, in his opinion, have been in prison too long for relatively minor offenses. Are you aware of that effort? You need to look up gross domestic product adjusted for inflation and learn what it means to everyday Americans. Learn what GDP, what one GDP point means to employment, and see how Trump has kept the numbers climbing. Your buddy Obama, in addition to being our worst foreign affairs president and worst military commander-in-chief, his economic numbers all deserved an F. He is, only, he is our only eight-year president. I want to say that again. He is the only eight-year president we've ever had who has failed to give us at least one 3% or higher year of adjusted GDP growth. Every other president achieved at least one year of 4.28% or higher growth. Aided by Vietnam spending, Johnson had an 8.48 year. The best peacetime year was 7.83 belonging to President Reagan. And Obama couldn't even score a three. Go ahead. Look it up, LeBron. You say you would talk to Obama, but not Trump. Why? Is it because you're a star basketball player and you feel this God-given talent elevates you above speaking to the most powerful person on the face of the earth? How tragic that your ego is so misplaced. Obviously, or excuse me, Obama had by far the worst debt accumulation record of all presidents in our history. His economic blunders added about $9 trillion to our debt. No other president even came close. That's almost as much indebtedness as all the former presidents combined. 
This debt will fall to you, your children, and your grandchildren, LeBron. Poor families suffered most under Obama's tenure while he and his family were on vacation, most of his time in office, on taxpayer funds. His awful job numbers forced a record number of people to take food stamps. Black household income under Obama fell steeply as black unemployment rose. Oh, yes, you can look that up too, LeBron. But the worst part of what Trump inherited is that Obama, like Bush and Clinton before him, thought bribes and sweet talk were the best ways to deal with North Korea as the North Koreans neared uh, being able to wipe out your present area of employment. Los Angeles with a nuclear tip missile, Trump became the first president to stand up boldly to this rogue nation. Have you noticed North Korea, because of Trump, has stopped launching missiles over Japan? Have you noticed North Korea has released political prisoners? Have you noticed that North Korea has returned the remains of U.S. service members from the war there? Absent sturdy spines, Clinton, Bush, and Obama could not approach these major accomplishments. Obama naively bribed the planet's worst terrorist nation, Iran, with what was supposed to become a $150 billion handout, mostly in cash, and without notifying Congress even. Did Obama not know many of these U.S. tax dollars would help fund Hamas and Hezbollah terrorism? Of course he did. He just wanted to appease the masses. Remember the $800 billion of yours? and everyone else's tax dollars in his early stimulus for shovel-ready jobs. Most of those tax dollars went to political cronies. He handed $500 million to Solyndra, a solar company run by his boosters. The company soon went bankrupt. Over a half billion dollars in tax in tax uh, dollars uh, vanished with it. And Trump, and Trump can't get $5.7 billion dollars to build a wall to keep all Americans safe because he is asking to do it legally with Congress's approval. Trump is often obnoxious, but people with courage often have that hang up. Obama always talked big, smiled a lot, then feebly stood by and did nothing. A perfect example is what when Putin infringed on Ukraine and, and annexed Crimea, Crimea. What did Obama do? Not one damn thing. I'm going to take a break right here, and then I'm going to finish this on the way back. So I'm going to play a clip here for you um, about the March for Life, which is very encouraging, and I will be right back. Don't go away. Welcome to the Daily Signal's Facebook Live. We are here on the National Mall at the 47th Annual March for Life in Washington, D.C. It's very historic this year as President Donald Trump was the first president to address the March for Life in person. Follow along. We're talking to some folks on the street about why they're here at the March for Life. So what's your name and where are you from? Um, Kimberly. I'm from Lynchburg, Virginia. My name is Scott. I'm from Pittsburgh. I'm Nayana Thompson. And where are you from, Nayana? I'm from Philadelphia. Andrew Clark from Royal Virginia, all born from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm Sophie Kirk, and I'm from Mason, Ohio. I'm Hope Smith, and I'm from Michigan. 
I'm Grace, and I'm from Michigan, too. My name is Ruth. I go to FSU in Tallahassee, Florida, and I'm marching because my sister was pregnant at 16, and she chose life. My sister was born with special needs, and so we're here to support uh, kids like her who aren't given a chance in the womb. Uh, 90% of the kids with what she has die before they even make it out of the womb, so we're here to support them. Every human being deserves to live as soon as they begin to exist, and uh, to cut that short, short of natural death, seems to me to be a grave injustice. I can't rest knowing that there's not something being done about humans being killed every day. I'm here today because life matters and I believe that everyone deserves um, a chance and that God has created each and every one of us in his image. I feel like you shouldn't kill any type of babies, no matter what the reason is. Sarah led my March for Life trips back when I was in high school to DC and I'm so happy and honored I get to talk to you for a few minutes. So Sarah, tell us where you're from. Ohio. And why are you here at the March for Life? Because someone needs to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, and everyone should be speaking up. What would you want to tell friends back home who might not see the life issue the way you do and are still confused and trying to figure it out for themselves? Um, I'd say be open-minded because um, God, you have been loved, you have been given a chance to live, and so I think it's an awesome opportunity for you to be able to give someone else that opportunity. Life is worth living, and unfortunately so many people don't know that. It's causing just so much depression and sadness, especially in our generation, all of our generations, the young people. I think that there are so many groups that aren't reached because they see it as just a church activity rather than a human activity. We have essentially a much bigger microphone than they do today. And so they're going to hear our message. One of the biggest things my family does is we support um, families that have children with special needs. So that's going to the hospitals um, and helping them as they bring their kids into the world and giving advice and connecting them with good doctors. Free life is valuable and God gives us life and we don't know why, but we still should choose it and because he loves us. <laughs> we care about the baby. We care about the mom. We care about the dad care about the family. The family is the foundation of society and we can love them all. There is no pick one or the other. It is definitely choose life for all. I'm grateful for my life and I'm sure you are as well. Thank you mom for saying yes to life. Thank you Mr. Chairman. You know in every election one side wins and the other loses. Democracy only works because the losing side always respects the will of the voters. The moment that social compact breaks down, democracy collapses into chaos. Now that's only happened twice in our nation's history. It happened in 1860 when the Democrats refused to accept the legitimate election of Abraham Lincoln. And it happened again in 2016 when the Democrats refused to accept the legitimate election of Donald Trump. The issues before us today do indeed strike at the heart of our democracy. The first calls for impeachment began just days after the 2016 election, and ever since, the Democrats have been searching for a pretext. When the Mueller investigation found no evidence to support the monstrous lie that the president acted in collusion with Russia, the Democrats realized they were running out of time, and suddenly the Ukrainian phone call replaced collusion, Stormy Daniels, tax returns, emoluments, and even tweets as the reason to nullify the election just a year before the next one is to be held. Impeachment is one of the most serious powers with which Congress is entrusted. It requires an overwhelming case of high crime supported by clear evidence that a vast majority of the nation deems compelling. 
Our Constitution vests the executive authority, including the enforcement of our laws, with the President, and it gives him sole authority to conduct our foreign affairs. Clearly, this includes requesting a foreign government to cooperate in resolving potentially corrupt and illegal interactions between that government's officials and ours. Now, the sum total of the Democrats' case comes down to this. Not one of their hand-picked witnesses provided any first-hand knowledge of the president ordering a quid pro quo, and two witnesses, Sonderland by testimony and Senator Johnson by letter, provided first-hand testimony that the president specifically ordered no quid pro quo. No testimony was provided that the Ukrainian government believed that there was any quid pro quo, but there are ample public statements that its officials did not believe there was such a linkage. In fact, the testimony of their witnesses crumbled under questioning, and we were left with career bureaucrats who admitted that the only evidence they offered was presumption, speculation, and what they'd read in the New York Times. It's upon this flimsy evidence that the Democrats justify nullifying the 2016 presidential election. And it's so flimsy, the Democrats have had to turn our Bill of Rights on its head in order to make it. They've argued that hearsay evidence, better known as gossip, is better than direct testimony. They've argued that the burden of proof rests with the accused to prove his innocence, while at the same time denying the defense witnesses permission to testify. They've argued that the right to confront your accuser is an invasion of the accuser's privacy. They've argued that appealing to the courts to defend your constitutional rights, as the president has done, is ipso facto obstruction of justice and evidence of guilt. They've asserted the power to determine what witnesses the defense is allowed to call. And they've argued that a crime is not necessary to impeach, only impure motives in performing otherwise lawful acts, motives, of course, to be divined entirely by the accusers. These are the legal doctrines of despots but they're the only ones that can accommodate the case before us today. This is a stunning abuse of power and a shameless travesty of justice that will stain the reputations of those responsible for generations to come. And God help our country if they should ever be given the power to replace our Bill of Rights with the doctrines that they have imposed in this process. The Democrats are fond of saying no one's, except, or no one's above the law, but they have one unspoken caveat, except for themselves. Now, the speaker's already short-circuited what should be a solemn, painstaking, thorough, and above all, fair process by ordering her foot soldiers on this committee to draw up articles of impeachment without this committee hearing from a single fact witness. Despite the fact that Mr. Schiff doesn't dare to appear before this committee to defend his work, we're supposed to accept his report at face value and obediently follow the speaker's orders. As the Red Queen declared, sentence first, verdict afterwards. We can only pray the Senate still adheres to the judicial principles of our founders. And if they do, perhaps then we can begin repairing the damage that this travesty has done to our democracy, our institutions, our principles of justice, our Constitution, and our country. Mother, mother, there's too many of you. Brother, 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 there's far too many of you dying. You know we've got.
Let me finish this uh, letter here uh, from a sports journalist to LeBron James about his calling Trump a bum. He says one of uh, Obama's most cowardly moves came when he warned Assad not to cross the red line in Syria. When Obama's warning was ignored, which Assad knew would happen, Obama once again did nothing. Now, please, Mr. James, be honest. If this happened with Trump in charge, do you really think this action would have occurred without some retaliation? Of hopefully you're not that naive. It makes me sad that you, as, as someone with a national voice, would be so ignorant of economics and also presidential decisions. I encourage you to do some reading and think as you watch the national GDP numbers improve and minority employment rise. Read about Right to Try, which frees terminally ill people to sign a lawsuit waiver and take an experimental drug that might not be approved for many years. Democrats fought this sensible plan for years because it would cost them huge donations from pharmaceutical companies. In order to become at least somewhat intelligently informed, Mr. James, why don't you read about a Navy that Obama left to Trump that struggled with Almost half its carrier aircraft unsafe even to fly. Read about Trump's giving the VA, the Veterans Administration, the right to fire any employee who neglects or abuses a patient. You might read about Trump's courage in cha challenging, actually demanding, that NATO partners begin to pay their fair share rather than keep mooching off the U.S. to defend them. You might also read the wisdom of two of the world's brightest people, Black intellectuals, Dr. Thomas Sowell and Dr. Walter Williams, they have written numerous books, Sowell and Williams' Integrity, Remarkable Insights and Clarity of Expression, caused their common sense to soar off the page to readers, both black and white, I might add. Or you could ignore vital Trump decisions and remain an illiterate on both presidential achievement and economics. If you disdain knowledge and keep calling Trump or any other U.S. president a bum, your word you chose, other people with normal intelligence might actually begin to wonder who, real, who the real bum is with the big mouth, bigger mouth than Trump's even. Sincerely, Hal Lundgren. So I thought that was good because I'm telling you, I it. I tend to just uh, quit watching anywhere anymore. I used to watch, uh, they quit playing some of the uh, athletic events on the radio, like basketball games. I think you have to pay for to listen to them or something, which I refuse to do. So I would watch clips on YouTube. But sometimes I'm in a, a restaurant or somewhere and they're they're playing something on the, you know, the TVs, the big TVs, and people like to watch and eat. And I and or I see these people in the newspaper making these incredible like these actors and athletes, and they have just as much a right to make a comment as I do. But they just have a, a better, a, a bigger medium, right? A bigger, a bigger stick to sweat, swing because they're on the everybody wants to, to get a quote from them and they sucker them into these stupid comments like Steve Kerr and the rest of them. And uh, the the coach of the uh, San Antonio Spurs. Uh, so 
I wanted to leave that with you and uh, because it brings what I liked about this letter is it brings out the incredible lack of intelligence. And when you you know, it's it's interesting. I have never voted for a president because of their personality or thinking they're a perfect person. But it's interesting how, in fact, I've been following Jesus for 40 years. And uh, I uh, sometimes church people drive me nuts, particularly pastors, who they want, they think that the, somehow the president needs to be like Jesus, live a life like Jesus or like a monk or an angel. And uh, as opposed to just, uh, so it's interesting, been really fascinating for me as I've watched president after president, probably I've started watching presidents during Dwight Eisenhower's uh, uh, presidency and, uh, and governors. And so they're definitely imperfect people, but they, at the end of the term or at the end of each year, what did they actually do besides talk, 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 talk? And I always wondered as a businessman, and where I had to, I couldn't just talk. I had to like produce something at the end of the day to show somebody or help somebody or do something for somebody. And, and just meet my promises didn't mean anything. And so, so much of politics is just people promising and then taking credit for things that would have happened anyway. And so with Trump, he has been the most Christian or godly uh, president we've ever had. Now that may send your, Singe your feathers a bit, folks, but honestly, that you need to get singed big time. You need to get singed. So Trump is uh, has done more. He's for religious liberty, freedom, constitutional freedom uh, in, in, in strengthening our Bill of Rights. Uh, and standing up for people, just standing up for every everybody. Right. The rights of everybody from a prisoner that gets sentenced who maybe got too stiff of a sentence or maybe was actually not guilty to uh, religious organizations that Obama was going to force to perform abortions in their insurance policies. Just crazy stuff to force forcing uh, schools to have uh, bathrooms where young girls could go in, but they could be nervous about a guy walking in right behind him. It just totally nuts, so right. He's he may be the president of common sense and spirituality, even though he may not go to church or talk the same religious talk that we do, that Christian people do. But he actually does the thing, does the type of things that God does. I got a kick out of this that I, I can't even listen to this impeachment hearing thing. I just it actually drives me nuts it just it just i want to i want to reach through there and strangle those people right it brings out the worst in me i think i have a, a political demon i'm i've got a religious and political demon on board over here and it just wants to strangle people every once in a while that just see, that i think is insincere disingenuous liars bullies criminals all of the above mixed together in a big batch of funk so i got a kick out of you know this whole thing where where on youtube you can watch the vice president of the united states mr biden <clears throat> while serving with obama <clears throat> 
brag about withholding billions of dollars from the Ukraine because they wouldn't do what he wanted to do regarding a prosecuting attorney, right? It's just out there for God and everybody to watch. But they're insinuating Trump did that when he didn't do anything. Now, let me just give you a sense of history, which most people just are are, are simply illiterate, just like a, a, a LeBron James. If you're going to pick a, a great team, I wouldn't want to have him on my team because he's an idiot. I, there's a worse word for it. It's a body part, but I, I don't, I don't want to call him that. He's an idiot. Is he a good basketball player? He may just be the one, a great dad and a great husband. I hope he is. I hope he does well. I hope he stays healthy and plays many years and makes lots of money and makes people happy, but he's an idiot. And, uh, so let me just educate you here during the Obama, Obama administration. You remember that it was, it was eight years. <clears throat> and um, so these are air times when the Obama administration strategically stopped foreign aid. Okay. You want to write these down? You that are getting suckered by all this talk about Ukraine phone, a Ukraine phone call. By the way, presidents have a right to do this. I'm not saying Obama did anything wrong. I'm just saying this is what Obama did. But nobody complained about it. Pelosi, Nadler. Shifty shift, right? So Egypt, they got $260 million withheld from Egypt. Boom, it was withheld. Ukraine, $1 billion threatened to be withheld. That's what you can watch on YouTube. Just look up Biden withhold aid to Ukraine, and you'll, you'll see a cool YouTube clip where he call, he uses the term son of a bitch, right? right as, as the, uh, he was bragging. He was like, had his chest puffed out. He needed to be jack slapped. The next uh, group that got aid withheld, Pakistan, got $800 million withheld by the Obama administration. Colombia had a con uh, $450 million. Their aid had a condition placed on it. Philippines, $440 million was not renewed. They didn't even get withheld. They just got, forget it. It's over. Honduras, $30 million got withheld until they behaved themselves. Mexico, $26 million. I'm not saying Obama did a thing wrong. He maybe had very good reasons why he did what he did. I'm just saying that presidents have a right. It's just like if it's just like a, a presidents are like the head of the family. I'm the head of this family over here in this house. I'll, I'll not pay or pay depending on how things go. Right. If somebody does a job for me and they don't do it right, I'll say, I'll pay you when you get that done over there. But if you don't do that, I'm not going to pay you the same because you didn't do what you said you're going to do. You got it. You got the idea. All right. So I want to move on from that and that letter uh, to talk a little bit about communism uh, and socialism, World War Two and Auschwitz, because Auschwitz, the liberation of Auschwitz happened on February or January 27th. A couple days ago, uh, 75 years ago, it's a 75th anniversary. And most people don't know what happened back then. Uh, I did. I wasn't alive during the Second World War, but I was born just after just after that. And um, so the war was fresh in everybody's minds. And so you you kind of learned about the war through osmosis. You saw it on television. You saw it in the movies. You heard about it 
in in the high school. But now that we're so far away from the sec- first World War, the Second World War, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, all these things, it's it's become just a memorization thing. People don't know anybody that fought in those wars. A lot of people, and so it's become a distant thing that they easily forget. But I want to remind you today because it's important. First, I want to read this. Odd it, odd it is. Nazis were national socialists that tore down statues. I want you to think about what's happened in this country in the last few years under Obama. And uh, if you've ever th- thought about tearing down statues or saw that on television. Odd it is. Nazis were national socialists that tore down statues. The other thing they did was they banned free speech. I just saw a deal on Drudge Report. It said the 10 top colleges banning free speech. Scary thought. The National National Socialists also blamed economic hardships on one group of people. Now, right now, the people that are getting blamed are the rich, right? But back then, it was the Jews and minorities, non-whites. The National Socialist Party instituted gun control. We just in in Yuba City or Sutter County, they're just uh, there's there's begun to be pressure to release the names of people that have gun concealed weapon permits, and that it's bringing out the idiocy that the government that we would even take our guns or apply for concealed weapon permits. You think, oh, well, that's it just seems like, well, that's what we've done for many, many years. That's not what that's not what should have been done. It's a bad law. It's a violation of the Constitution. Everybody should be allowed to have as many guns, whatever guns. Nobody should know what need to know what guns or what ammo they have there. Right now, the San Francisco Chronicle, through a Freedom of Information Act, got all the Sutter County concealed permit weapon permit holders information and so when they publish that people can look up your name find your house know you got three or four shotguns or whatever and they can just come in and take it or the government can come in and take it if the government wants to come to my house they're going to get a surprise on what they find here because they don't have nothing registered on lou right in fact I've talked to people. I'm a, my next guns are going to be bit, bought off the grid. I'm not going to buy a gun from one of these stores where it's going to be registered. It, the government does not have a right to have all that information on me, right? So Germany instituted gun control. They put the state before God. You think, oh, the Germans are Christians. How come they didn't do something, those Christian people? They put the state before God. National, they nationalized the health care. That's what Obama did, folks. Trump is doing his best to try to unnationalize it. And he's not getting much help from either party because they've sold out to socialism. Just like many of you sold out to gun control. And they say, oh, we have the Second Amendment back in the... Honestly, you gave up the Second Amendment long ago because you didn't do jack about it. You just let them take... When I was in the 1960s, when I got my first hunting license and got trained at 12 years of age how to handle a gun, you can open carry in Marysville, where I was raised. A, a teenager, a kid, could open carry a long gun and walk right right down the street with it and go out and go hunting. Nobody would even look co- twice. Not only were the cops not going to arrest you, but even 
people driving down the street will say, oh, my God, that guy's got a gun. And call 911 on their cell phone, right? Nobody even like, I mean, we have, it's just like the frog in the water. Just slowly, slowly, slowly gets its butt cooked. National health care place. They place strict government regulation on industry. I want you to think of any industry. What industry recently in California has had really strict regulations? The gig industry. People that that have a little cottage industry. People that they don't want to go work for a business. Like I just talked to a guy that a kid, really nice kid. uh, And uh, and he said both his parents drive for Lyft and Uber. They 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 live here in Yuba City area. And they go to Sacramento every day, and they they drive around moving people around, uh, and they got their own little business. Well, now the government is trying to force Lyft and Uber and all these independent truckers to be considered employees so they can get more money out of them. That's exactly what the socialist, the Nazi party did. That's what's going on. Now, I want to, so we had the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. I want to tell you a little bit about Auschwitz because some of you may not know. You may have heard that term, but you don't know. Auschwitz concentration camp was a complex of over 40 concentration and extermination camps operated by Nazi Germany. In other words, throughout Europe, there were 40 of these concentration camps, right? That, that were operated by Nazi Germany and occupied Poland during World War II and the Holocaust. It consisted of Auschwitz I, the main camp, in, uh, and Auschwitz II, or that, that would call you often hear the, hear the term Birkenau. And uh, it, it was a concentration and extermination camp built with several gas chambers. And then there was Auschwitz III, or Manowitz, a labor camp created to staff a factory for the chemical conglomerate IG Farben. And uh, dozens of subcamps. The camps became a major site of the Nazis' final solution to the Jewish question. So if you're new to this, the Jewish question... That was a euphemism on the final solution to eliminate the Jews from the face of the earth. After Germany invaded Poland, which was the start of the war, that was the that was the first country they took over, Poland, in September 1939. That led to the the declaration of World War II. Uh, so Auschwitz I was was converted. Uh, are made out of an armic barracks into a prisoner of war camp for the first prisoners, the Polish political. They took Polish political prisoners there. The first inmates, German German uh, criminals, uh, brought to the camp in, in May 1940 as functionaries or people to put the camp together. They used labor, established the camp's reputation for sadism or torture. Prisoners were beaten, tortured, and executed for the most trivial reasons. The first gassings, remember gassings, gas chambers? <clears throat> they gassed Soviet and Polish prisoners, and they took place in what they call Block 11 of Auschwitz I around August of 1941. Construction of Auschwitz II, they just kept building more and more buildings. Why? Because they were bringing more and more people here, millions, millions you get it? Millions of people were exterminated. Construction of Auschwitz II began 
The following month, from 1942 until late 1944, freight trains delivered Jews from all over German-occupied Europe to its gas chambers. Of the 1.3 million, some of these, in fact, some of them I read, there was hundreds of just teenage girls. They just brought them in by the truckload and killed them, tortured them and killed them, little girls. That make you sick? That just makes me want to go out and kill somebody right now. Of the 1.3 million people sent to Auschwitz, 1.1 million died. The death toll includes 960,000 Jews, 865,000 of whom were gassed right upon arrival. They just brought them there, boom, into the gas chambers. They weren't stripped them, walked them in naked, took all their, their, their jewelry, clothes, and they recycled everything. 74,000 were non-Jews that were Polish people. 21,000 from the, they called it Roma, 15,000 Soviet prisoners of war and up to 15,000 other Europeans. Those not gassed died of starvation, exhaustion, disease, and individual executions or beatings. Others were killed during medical experiments. I'm going to take a break, our second break, and we're going to play um, a clip for you about Iranians protesting. You thought, oh, when they, when they, uh, you know, when they killed, uh, when Trump killed Seaman Salami, uh, they thought, you thought, oh, all those people are protesting us. No, no, no. They were protesting. They wanted to overthrow their own government, f- particularly when they sh- just randomly shot down a commercial airliner. Did you pick up on that? You probably didn't. You probably weren't watching TV. You're probably watching the, some cartoon or something. Be right back. My love is yours, babe. Ooh. It's been a little over a week since President Donald Trump ordered the airstrike that blew Iranian Commander Qasem Soleimani into human confetti. Eleven days since Iranians collectively dissolved into a state of mourning and inconsolable grief. Grief that might have gone unnoticed by the rest of the world had the American media not stepped up to document it. Thank God CNN was there to capture every heart-wrenching moment as Iranian citizens openly wept for their dearly departed oppressor-in-chief. As grief-stricken mourners paid homage to state images of Soleimani posted in town squares, pouring out their anguish in a flood of condemnation against America imperial... given to believe that Iranians hated America and were straight up brokenhearted that we had the audacity to send their top extremists to that giant bacon festival in the sky. Isn't that the line we were all fed for the last week and a half? That Iran was in a state of paralyzing grief over American hostility? That Trump was single-handedly responsible for igniting World War III with his reckless takedown of a beloved Iranian leader? Wasn't that the riff? Because see here, over on Twitter... Here are thousands of Iranians flooding the streets of Tehran and demanding the Ayatollah's head for lying about the downing of a Ukrainian passenger plane by an Iranian ballistic missile. Here they are tearing down posters of Soleimani with nary a tear in sight, except maybe from the smoke after they lit this government billboard on fire. Here are Iranian students refusing to trample American and Israeli flags laid out on the road. And here is the American media covering these protests with the same gusto that they covered all their criticism over the Trump airstrike. 
media that found enough time to peddle Iranian state propaganda claiming that 30 American soldiers had been killed in Iran's missile strike on U.S. bases. The same media that ran photos of Soleimani's funeral claiming to show thousands of attendees, attendees who it later turned out were forced by the government to attend. The same media that described Soleimani as a war hero, a revered figure, and an inspirational military leader. The loss of Qasem Soleimani is a heavy blow to Iran. He was a war hero, but even many of Soleimani's enemies admitted he was a military genius. By killing Qasem Soleimani, the U.S. has stripped Iran of an inspirational military leader. But apparently the media were too busy sucking up to a dictatorial regime in the name of flipping off Trump to give much airtime to the pro-America, anti-government protests by Iranians who are giving an awful lot of credit to Trump right now for taking down one of their most rancid, cancerous scumbags. On Sunday, ABC spent twice as much time discussing the royal family's drama and hyping the Oscars than they did covering these Iranian protests. And with the few seconds that they did give this story, here's what they said. On a dime, it seems, the Iranian national rage at the U.S. for killing General Qasem Soleimani has been overwhelmed by anger at their own government for mistakenly shooting down that Ukrainian airliner. Overnight, thousands of Iranians protesting in the streets, not against America, but now against their own government. Outraged over Iran's stunning reversal and admission that its military unintentionally shot down the passenger jet in Tehran Wednesday. Unfreaking believable. Like we can't all see with our very own retinas exactly what's going on, except that we can. We know that this is just the latest in the giant pile of lies the media machine tries to force feed us on a daily basis, peddled by sheep whose brains have been so liquefied by Trump derangement syndrome that they couldn't find the truth with both hands and a GPS. Then again, this is also the media that lied about a bunch of Catholic kids, bought into the Jesse Smollett hoax, slandered a SCOTUS justice, peddled debunked Russia conspiracy theories for like three years, and have run entire hit pieces on how many scoops of ice cream Trump gets. So it's not like we still thought that they had standards. Oh, babe, don't say you're doing fine. Don't hide yourself away. There's something on your mind. You're drinking in the day. Crumbling from the way. Sometimes it's good to cry, 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 cry. This life's a fickle friend indeed. And when it comes to I'm educating you here on Auschwitz today, and uh, then I'm going to make a couple comments. There's just a few people still living that are uh, from the, that were at the ceremony this past week. I want to read the comments of one lady. It's just shocking. It just it just got to me, got me to the core. And so this uh, these some of these statistics. At least 802 prisoners tried to escape. 144 successfully escaped. There was some. Um, I don't want to get into all the gory details here because I don't have time. Uh, Okay. The Soviet army approached Auschwitz on January 1945 toward the end of the war. The SS sent most of the camp's population west on a death march to camps. So they, as as the Soviet army began to approach, the Germans got the people and marched them to other camps trying to keep the whole war together. But the, the, the thing was falling, falling down around their shoulders. 
here's some no, no, uh, people of note that were in Auschwitz. Viktor Frankl, if you haven't read his book written right after the war, you should read it. Viktor Frankl, F-R-A-N-K-L. Viktor Frankl, he was one of the top psychiatrists in Germany. He was the psychiatrist of the psychiatrists. And Viktor Frankl wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. See, when you think you, you're out there in Sacramento or Illinois or Missouri or Nevada, and you think, I just can't take another another thing, you might... This is this this event is a straw that broke the camel's back. You, I've you burned off my last nerve. If you read Victor Frankel's Man's Search for Meaning, that'll give you a new sense of hope in what they did to survive the concentration camps. Ellie Weasel is another one. Both these guys are dead. Uh, they wrote memoirs. You should read it. And uh so uh, let me see. Now, I, let me do this, and then, then I'll move, move on here in a minute. The ideology of national socialism. So we have maybe a third to a half of the college students today have been successfully indoctrinated by the uh, socialist school system of America to believe that socialism is the right way and capitalism is evil. And so some people that are young uh, commentators on the radio and podcasts and stuff say well there's a reason for that because they lack opportunity they can't buy a house you know when you think about all the reasons the can'ts of life it's caused by government the reason we're so screwed up in california it's because we got a social estate and there's there's less opportunity so a lot of my friends young friends have moved their families elsewhere no wonder they hate so they they hate capitalism because they think this is capitalism. No, this is what this is what socialism is. So listen to this. The ideology of national socialism or Nazism brought together elements of racial hygiene, eugenics, that means killing off people of different flavors, and anti Semitism, that's killing off Semites or what they call Shem. Remember Shem was one of the sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth. Right. Those are the three sons. So Shemites or Semites, anti-Semitism. Uh, so uh, Richard Evans writes. Or uh, and he combines this, these groups, eugenics, anti-Semitism, racial hygiene. In other words, are you pure white? Combine them with pan-Germanism and territorial expansionism that caused the whole thing of, of uh, Hitler going to take over the world. Uh, let's see. I'm going to skip all that because I want to go on to some other things. I just highlighted some things that got my attention. So, I, so anyway, each year that they have they have an anniversary of they have a get together of ceremony of Holocaust survivors. So this lady, Bat Shiva, or Sheva Dagan, 94 years of age. She was speaking next, standing next to the preserved railway tracks that she rode in on many, many years ago that brought cattle cars of victims to Auschwitz, Mrs. Dagan, D-A-G-A-N. She described having her head shaved and arm tattooed upon arrival and how she was forced to sort the belongings of those sent to the death camps. In other words, they were dead and they were sorting their leftovers. 
she says, she asked the, the, the group there that was at this ceremony three days ago, where was everybody? Where was the world who could see that, hear that, and yet did nothing to save all those thousands? Then there's a, a little in brackets here, the very first transport of Jews to Auschwitz. Can you imagine this? Can you, I want you to just think of your local high school. Go drive by, go drive by a local high school this week. Marysville, Yuba City, River Valley, Wheatland, um, Sutter, Lindhurst. Just drive by and just park and stare at the girls. Just, just, just gaze over all those young girls with huge potential, excited, full of life. And, and so a lot of these high schools have a thousand kids or 1200 kids or so. They don't have really big high schools here anymore, but just imagine a thousand of those teenage girls being gassed. The first transport of Jews to Auschwitz was 997 teenage girls and very few survived. It said, is that tragic? Does that like, that's just a gut punch from me. Because I know a lot of youngsters that are just so cool and they're full of it, trying to learn about life and how to figure out how to do things. And they don't know a lot, but they want to know a lot. They're, they're on the, they're leaning forward and you just take them and go gas them. Just pisses me off. More than 1 million people were killed in the gas chambers at Auschwitz, the vast majority of whom were Jewish. In total, the Nazi campaign to eradicate Jews. Can you imagine this? This was a acknowledged campaign to kill off a group of people of a certain persuasion. Does that do you care about that? Well, today, today, with abortion and Planned Parenthood, the founder of Planned Parenthood devoted herself to kill off black people. I want you to just think about that, Margaret Sanger. And black people, not just black people, but she called them weeds. Less evolved people, lower evolved people. I don't believe this. I'm just telling you what the facts are, folks. If, if you have a problem with understanding this, you need to, like LeBron James, you need to go get educated. Mexicans, Puerto Ricans, Cubans, anybody that was in the United States that wasn't white like her, Margaret Sanger, was a weed. And they just knew how to screw and get pregnant and populate a lot faster than the white. She thought that was a bad idea, right? So the campaign to eradicate Jews from Europe claimed more than 6 million Jewish lives, while others such as Poles, Romans, Sinti were also put to death in concentration camps. Just unbelievable unbelievable let me see if she has any other i just love to hear these people's perspective i thought she she asks and and she's concerned about the lack of concern of those in our country today about the if if you don't know what your history is your your chances of repeating it are really high all right, so I'm going to move on. So 75th anniversary, which you could do if you want to read a great book. 
you could probably pick it up used online for like a buck, two bucks plus shipping. Victor Frankel, Man's Search for Meaning. It's an eye-opener, folks. It's an eye-opener. Ellie uh, Weasel has some good memoirs as well. So I want to go on and talk about a variety of... Oh, let's see. Let me let me do some uh, thank yous here. We're, we're getting towards half the show. And uh also want to remind you, as I get into talking about Monty Hecker, who has led the charge to recall Governor Newsom. By the way, I don't think it's going to happen. I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't sense... I don't sense a lot of people doing anything but me. (laughs) And that's a bad sign. When I feel like I'm pushing a candidate more than uh, when I don't hear any scuttlebutt around town. So even though our state is falling to hell in a handbasket and it's being led by a nitwit like a dick that somebody said on Facebook, (laughs) they said somebody was talking about the picture of a dick. And they had a picture of Gavin Newsom. And I thought, oh, I normally I don't call people by body parts. I try to I teach an anger management class at, at the jail and I try to follow the same things I'm teaching. Like I tell them, I said, I'm trying to keep from violating and do something weird and get arrested. And then and then they won't let me teach the anger management class anymore because I'm not behaving well. So but if you we've just got a couple weeks more to sign. And then the party's over. It, it's they're they're either going to have the signatures or they aren't. I don't think they're going to get enough because I just don't sense their. Gavin Newsom is uh, he's the governor from hell compared to Gray Davis, who we we recalled. I think it was at two thousand three. And uh, but if you want to do that, you can go see Monty Hecker if you're in the Yuba Sutter area at Elite Universal Security. And he has got petitions there you can sign if you say, oh, I'm not registered to vote. It just sounds like a really complicated thing. He can do it, everything there. You can sign up. You can register to vote. If you want to reg- if you want to vote for any Republican in the primary, like Trump or Sean Foyt for third district congressman, you're going to have to, at least this time, vote Republican. You've got to register Republican. You're not going to be able to vote cross-party in, in this race. The, in the my, uh, primary race. So you can register to vote at Elite Universal Security at 5548 Feather River Boulevard, south of Marysville, 5548. And you can dial them up if you want to talk to somebody out there, like if you want to get a job or you need them to do a job for you. I'm telling you, in downtown Marysville, it's like the wild, wild west here. And uh, the police in both ca- both cities, counties have been told to stand, stand down. In fact, up along the Yuba River, they're all camping again over the levee from Marysville. It's just like people are just, you know, people, it's becoming lawless. I, I've been catching, I'm catching a person a week over here doing something stupid at my place. And um, so you can, if you need Monty Hecker to Lee Universal Security to help you, he can help you solve problems. The government actually hires him. Isn't that something? The government hires an outside security firm to provide security uh, at the courthouses, and that'd be him. So 749-0280, and uh, he helps support this show. He's a big, he not only just helps financially, but he's always posting stuff on Facebook, reminding people to go to the podcast and do this and do that. And and uh, so he's he's a big champion. So 
if you want to go get a concealed weapon permit, you think, oh, Lou, I'm going to, if I don't do that, I'm going to pull a gun on somebody. They're going to arrest me. So he'll help you get a concealed weapon permit. They have their weekend classes out there throughout the month and you can dial them up and get signed up. Or if you, I guess you got to renew and requalify under this permit system. I'd rather just do it myself and just practice when I want. Uh, but you can get them through him. He has a firearms class Saturday and Sundays, uh, a couple times a month. You can dial them up. You can also get a class on how to use tasers. If you got yourself, you think, ah, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, if they get close, I'm going to shoot them with the taser. I'm going to get myself a taser. Then I'm not going to kill them. I'm just going to electrocute them. Uh, and you can get some pepper spray. If you just want to make them miserable and then sock them in the face with a rock, then run. Uh, they'll they'll teach you about how to use a taser as well. So the other thing is, if you want a job, all the way I don't I don't know where you're listening to us from. Maybe you're up in Chico or China, or China, like Trump would say, China. If you're in China, Monty may do some stuff over there. You ought to call him if you're in China. But Chico, Shasta, up the Oregon border, down below Sacramento, you get yourself a yob. You want to pack a gun? get trained to it you and then you can then they got some peaceful guards that don't pack guns so uh check out monty and uh he'll help you but if you want to sign a recall petition if you want to if if you're not from yuba sutter counties there's 58 counties around here you can go to this website ranaf.org ranaf and you can download a petition has three signature marks there you can get you could sign it and couple your buddies and then turn it in and uh help the cause i already signed i've been passing out so i got it i probably got 100 to 200 signatures or so from the church i attend and um so you can do that okay that's something to think about and uh we're gonna move on move on move on move on move on okay Osh- oh oh let's see okay here we go Uh, All right. So for you that are interested in Measure K, Measure K is an illegal tax that was passed here in the last election. Last April, they began taxing us 1% extra on everything we purchased in Yuba County and wherever we bought it. If you live in Yuba County, if you bought a car out of Outer Slombodia, they started an extra 1% because you lived in Yuba County. And even though that Judge Barrier, Stephen Barrier, who is a well-known and respected judge here, said when they went, we filed a action against the county saying that was an illegal election. It should have been a two-thirds vote for victory, and it was just a majority vote. And Judge Barrier said, you're right, the county goofed up. And so instead of just dropping the tax, the county, knowing that they could keep collecting tax until it until the court case, until they lose again in the appellate court, they decided to appeal it because it's, but heads they win and tails we lose. Heads they win, tails we lose. That means that either way, they win. And so they're they're pulling down these supervisors from Yuba County are pulling down $10,000 a month out of out of our pockets that we could be buying putting our kids into sports camps and sending them to educational opportunities and sending them overseas and sending kid getting kids a new pair of pants and a new computer. But instead we're giving it to government because they can't pay their pensions. 
That's what this is all about. All about. And so the other night at a um, at a can- candidates forum, we had three of our supervisors from Yuba County, and uh, they all three lied and said that the money that funded the campaign of a hundred hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, did not come from the public funds, and uh, which is a complete lie because uh, they were spending hundreds of thousands of dollars before they even, so you think, well, it didn't really come from public funds. People donated to the campaign, like businesses and unions and stuff to pass a new tax. And um, so the problem with that theory is that the campaign committee wasn't formed till months after they started spending our tax dollars. And not only that, but the campaign committee did not collect that much money. It just wasn't that much money. It was small potatoes compared to how much they spent and started hiring public relations firms and all that kind of stuff. So the supervisors that are running for election, uh, they, they told, they didn't tell the truth. And four out of five of them, when they, they lost the case in court, when, when the, the election was contested, not all five of them voted to appeal it. And that's where Mike Leahy, who represents downtown Marysville and a little bit of East Linda or West Linda, he voted against it thinking, Hey, I think we did the wrong thing. I think I thought it was a general tax, but we promoted it as a special tax. I think we did the wrong thing. And so Leahy came clean. And, uh, so the others did not. So what we have now, by like uh, we're pressing $4 million that has been taken from the, the county. You know, the, did you know that government does not produce anything? Like they don't make furniture. They don't create food. They don't make pharmaceuticals or, you know, solve cancer. They just take your money and they spend it on projects they think are cool. That's how that works. And so they're taking this money. Now, the way this works on a sales tax initiative or a, a, a revenue measure, when when it is defeated, it, then the tax stops. But all that revenue that's been collected in the meantime does not get returned to the people. It gets kept by government. That's how. That's what's really insidious and evil about what they did. They knew this. Either two things: they were stupid, they were ignorant, and they went along with this, or they're evil. Okay. Can't be anything else. So we're going to take a break right now. We're halfway through this show today. One, two, three. Let's see. Um, I'm going to play you a little longer clip, but it's it's the it's the best presentation of how we got abortion in America legalized. It's it's totally all based on lies and deception. It, not on tr- any. There's no truth involved in this. How they got this through the. Uh, through, through the Supreme Court. It's just a total rip. When do you think all, all those people behind those walls at, in Sutter County and Yuba County are all dirt bags in jail? No, no, no. The dirt bags are the ones that pass these laws right here. The Supreme Court. Yeah. They kill more people. You think, oh, that person killed two people. These Supreme Court guys killed millions. The decision killed millions. You, they're still, oh my God, Harry Blackman. What a 
What a wonderful man he was and brilliant man. Yay, his decision killed millions of babies. Think about that. In fact, in fact I saw something on, uh, on social media the other day. I never thought about this. It said the first person that ever celebrated Jesus was a baby in the womb. I want you to just think about that and see, and see if you can come up with the answer on who that was. All right? Be right back. This is the true story behind Roe v. Wade, the landmark 1973 Supreme Court ruling that effectively legalized abortion through all nine months in the United States. The real name of Jane Roe was Norma McCorvey. In 1969, Norma was a 21-year-old single woman in Dallas, Texas, who was struggling financially and regularly abusing drugs and alcohol. She was also pregnant with her third child. She had surrendered custody of her first child to her mother and placed her second child for adoption. With her third child, she sought an abortion, but abortion was illegal in Texas. At the time, abortion was only legal in a handful of states, like California and New York, and Norma didn't have the means to travel to one of those states. Based on advice from others, Norma even began to lie that she'd become pregnant from a gang rape in hopes that it would make it easier to obtain an abortion. It was one of many lies that Roe v. Wade would be based on. Norma became the target of two young and ambitious lawyers, recently out of school, who wanted to change the abortion laws in America, Sarah Weddington and Linda Coffey. They took Norma out to lunch when she was five months pregnant, drank beers with her and got her kinda smashed, and convinced her to agree to file suit to challenge the abortion laws in Texas. Dallas County District Attorney Henry Wade would represent the state as defendant. Weddington would later admit to using Norma for her own ambitions to challenge abortion laws. She said that Norma was just a vehicle for presenting larger issues and that all Jane Roe did was sign a one-page affidavit. She was pregnant and didn't want to be. That was her total involvement in the case. In fact, Weddington said that if she had to do it over again, she wouldn't even use McCorvey as the plaintiff. Weddington and Coffey kept Norma completely out of the loop when planning their case, and Norma didn't even attend a single trial hearing. If Weddington really wanted to get Norma an abortion, she could have, as she was heavily involved in an abortion referral network in Texas. Weddington had the resources, but she never mentioned this to Norma, because apparently that would mean losing the only plaintiff that she had with the necessary legal standing to challenge the law. How ironic that Weddington championed abortion access for all women by secretly withholding an abortion from her own client. So during the trial proceedings, Norma gave birth to a baby girl and placed her for adoption. That's right, Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade never even had an abortion. Norma became a poster child for the abortion movement while never having an abortion herself. A three-judge panel in Texas ruled in Weddington and Coffey's favor. But the state immediately appealed, and Roe v. Wade made its way up to the Supreme Court. In 1973, the Supreme Court handed down their ruling, along with another abortion case, Doe v. Bolton. The real name of Mary Doe in Doe v. Bolton was Sandra Kano. She was a poor 22-year-old mother of three in Georgia. 
After she became pregnant with her fourth child, Sandra met with a lawyer named Margie Pitts Hames, seeking legal help to get custody of her children in foster care and then to divorce her husband. Despite the fact that Hames filed suit on Sandra's behalf to obtain an abortion, Sandra maintained that she in fact never wanted an abortion at all. She said it was not my signature on any documents agreeing to one. She says that Hames forged her signature on the abortion documents, or that Hames slipped it into the papers she thought she was signing regarding the divorce and sole custody. Like Norma, Sandra also never appeared in court after her initial court hearing. When she found out that Hames was seeking an abortion for her, she fled to Oklahoma to save her baby. The lawsuit filed against Georgia Attorney General Arthur Bolton challenged Georgia's law, permitting abortion only in cases of rape, severe fetal deformity, or threat to the mother. A three-judge panel district court declared portions of the Georgia law unconstitutional and the case made its way to the Supreme Court to be decided along with Roe v. Wade. Good evening. In a landmark ruling, the Supreme Court today legalized abortions. The decision in Roe v. Wade was a 7-2 ruling by nine men. Writing the majority decision, Justice Harry Blackman invented a legal framework based on an arbitrary three-trimester measurement of pregnancy. This was not based on a medical understanding of pregnancy or a fetal development, but it was simply a tool to justify abortion during different times of pregnancy. According to Roe, during the first trimester, abortion could not be restricted. During the second trimester, restrictions could be made for so-called health reasons. And during the third trimester, abortions could be restricted entirely, so long as the laws contained exceptions for cases when they claimed it was necessary to save the life or health of the mother. But Doe v. Bolton defined health so broadly as to include physical, emotional, psychological, familial health, and the woman's age. Basically, any justification for a third trimester abortion could fall under such a health exception. Today, America is one of only seven nations worldwide that allows abortion for any reason through all nine months of pregnancy. The legal foundation for abortion is total nonsense. Justice Harry Blackman's argument in Roe v. Wade ultimately concluded that a woman's choice to have an abortion was covered under this supposed right to privacy. That's right. In order to make abortion on demand the law of the land, Blackman effectively ruled that killing a child in the womb is justified because it is private. Furthermore, the right of privacy as defined by Blackman has a very weak foundation legally. The right of privacy originated in the 1965 case Griswold v. Connecticut, in which the Supreme Court decided that certain state restrictions on contraception were unconstitutional because there is a right of privacy for married couples that protects their ability to obtain contraception. This right to privacy for married couples has a famously vague foundation. Justice William Douglas wrote that penumbras formed by emanations from various parts of the Constitution gave married couples this right to privacy. What is a penumbra? According to the dictionary, the partially shaded outer region of the shadow cast by an opaque object, or the shadow cast by the Earth or the Moon over an area experiencing a partial eclipse, or the less dark outer part of a sunspot surrounding the dark core. So here's how it all breaks down. Within the Constitution, there are penumbras formed by emanations that recognize the right of privacy of married couples to obtain contraception. The Supreme Court case Eisenstadt v. Baird said that the right of privacy for married couples also extends to unmarried individuals. 
And then Roe v. Wade said that right of privacy of individuals to obtain contraception includes the right to kill a child in the womb. That is the ridiculous legal foundation for abortion in America. And it's exactly what happens when the Supreme Court twists the words of the Constitution to fit an ideology. One of the most sensible parts of the Roe v. Wade opinion is when Justice Blackmun made this startling admission. If prenatal personhood is established, the case for abortion collapses, for the fetus's right to life would then be guaranteed specifically by the 14th Amendment. Keep that in mind. According to Roe v. Wade itself, the entire case for abortion depends on dehumanizing and depersonalizing an entire group of human beings just because they're young and in the womb. Think of all the other human rights injustices that have been based on human beings not being recognized as persons. Abortion is no different. Science, reason, and legal precedent all definitively show the personhood of children in the womb, and so the Roe v. Wade opinion openly reveals where it self-destructs. The true stories of Norma McCorvey and Sandra Kano show that abortion has never been about truth, it's never been about justice, and it's never been about women. Abortion has always been about using women and killing their children for selfish ambition and profit. As feminist leader Alice Paul said, abortion is the greatest in the exploitation of women. And since 1973, over 60 million children have been killed by legal abortion. The stories of the two women have startling similarities. Both were poor and struggling. Both were lied to and preyed upon by self-interested parties in the abortion movement. Neither of them had an abortion. Both Norma and Sandra would become passionate pro-life activists. And though they have both passed on, it is up to you and to me to take up their mission. In the words of Sandra Kano, I pledge that as long as I have breath, I will strive to see abortion ended in America. And as Norma McCorvey, Jane Roe herself said, I am dedicated to spending the rest of my life undoing the law that bears my name. Don't know much about history. Don't know much biology. Don't know much about a science book Don't know much about the French I took But I do know that I love you And I know that if you love me too What a wonderful world this would be All right, so we're uh, we're starting our second half here. Before we get started, I wanted to talk about, uh, thank Dave Greenitz with Greenitz Construction. He's also helping us. And then we'll get into a talk I want to do about the IRS. And uh, so I had a little, I had a visitor who wanted to move in over here, didn't, but he didn't come through the front door. He just moved into my garage, busted into my car. And anyway, I ended up on the news of this whole thing. It was kind of an odd situation. And so uh, some of my friends texted me and said, hey, how's it going? Everything cool? And just uh, so anyhow, I said, yeah, I, I said, I probably need to beef up this uh, door going into my garage. And so he said, so Dave said, oh, I'm going to when I get over that side of town, I'll swing in and see if we can uh, figure out another plan to strengthen the uh, security around your house a little bit. So uh, anyway, but uh, Greenitz Construction, if if you live in the Yuba Sutter area, you're fortunate because if you want to. If you're living in a house, you think, you know, I'm gonna probably not going to upgrade to another house. This is a good house. We just need to, like, 
do a tune-up. You know, if you live in a house for a while, it just wear and tear happens, right? Sinks start to leak. Uh, things just wear, you know, things just look kind of funky and they just need to be refreshed, right? And new and maybe maybe the way it, the last person designed the bathroom or maybe the bathrooms like mine's been since, one of them's been since 1937. We've upgraded it here a number of years ago, put tile in it and painted it and put new lighting in it, new flooring in it, kind of did an upgrade. And, uh, but I'm telling you, if you want like an upgrade, with caps and bold letters, that was that's what you're going to get through Greenwich Construction. And so, you know, cause, you know, if you're going to spend ten, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars on some upgrades like kitchens and baths, and you don't want to like experiment with contractors, right? Or just like you're at a bar and just said, oh, my buddy can do, my buddy can do that. What's his name? Oh, let's see, John, John, who? Oh, well, it's I, I just know him by John, dude. You know, just like John or Jose. Like he's he's good, man. He's like he knows how to do he knows how to do plumbing and stuff. You don't want you don't want that, right? You want somebody that's that he does like magazine award winning, better homes and gardens type remodels. And so you don't want to experiment because that may be the last remodel you ever do in your life, unless you have to redo the remodel, re remodel. So if you want to get a good guy that's honest, and actually when you call him, he answers the phone or he responds in a minute or two, um, and he actually shows up on the job uh, and to see you when he exactly when he says he's going to, right? So I just, when I, when I need stuff done, I just leave a list, and when I get back from overseas, I just come in the house, and it's all done, and the house is clean. That's a good sign, right? So it's Greenitz Construction, E-T-Z, Green E-T-Z, Greenitz, one word, construction. GreenitzConstruction.com, one word. Or you can go to Dave Greenitz Construction Facebook page. And you can, if you if you can't, if you're all nervous, you're a millennial and you haven't been taught how to have a conversation, most of your conversation has just been with cussing your phone or your tablet or whatever you got. Uh, that that's bad. So if if you got to start out and warm up by sending an email or a text or something, just you can do that right off his sites. And then his phone number is five three zero six eight two nine six zero two. And the nice thing is, it just doesn't say nice th- nice things about his operation. There's nice things said, but there's a lot of cool pictures. And you don't have to go out and visit all these houses. You can just check it out from the photos. Greenitz Construction. So I, I've done a lot of work uh, over the years. You know, I, for years I did my early years of work. I did some business management, bookkeeping, payrolls, you know, simple bookkeeping. I, you know, I didn't do this is before computers. Just a lot of man, I, I have great respect for bookkeepers. They just is tedious work. Ugh, just I can't even do it anymore. I have a hard time even doing my own stuff, just personal stuff. And uh but I had I'd been audited by the IRS. I had a company I that I helped manage, and we got a full blown audit. And uh, I made it through the whole audit. Didn't know anything. I felt I felt good about that. I'm not even a CPA or an enrolled agent, but I always had great respect for the IRS. I thought, hey, these are good American people, and and they're honest people. And yeah, I may not agree with all the laws or that, but I just thought, hey, 
I need to follow the rules, which I did. Followed all the rules, did the best I could. And then I wasn't I wasn't nervous when the IRS came or when the State Board of Equalization would come and when I, I worked for a car business and they'd want to audit or when the employment ke- people would come or the, uh, oh, what's the other one? There was another one. Workers' compensation people would come to see if we weren't paying people under the table and getting out of workers' compensation insurance. They'd come. I'd always come through with fi- flying colors because I followed all the rules. So then when I realized under the Obama administration, when people like Lois Lerner, the witch, uh, when these people were using the laws of the the country, the nation, and using the power of the IRS to punish conservative people, good Americans, but they they just simply looked at life differently than liberals. (laughs) And they were actually punishing them through the bureaucracy of not allowing them to get a 501c3 or 501c4 nonprofit organization. And they were harassing people and taking the money of people that was donated money. Uh, And then they, they actually lied uh, whether it was uh, uh, I can't remember the other guy's name. I want to call him Kirkinen, Kuskinen, something like that. There was a number of leaders that were just liars. Like they would, they just lost the email. Well, we don't know what happened to it. Well, that the the hard drive broke. We don't know how it happened, but now they're they're saying that that uh, the inspector generals are saying they did wrong. Every one of them left the employment with probably nice plaques and big big uh, retirement pensions. But now it just, you know, some of the founding fathers, not some, but all, they they did not like big government for a number of reasons. And this is one of them. Big government simply can't function. It's incompetent. There's no part of it that's competent. It's the nature of it. It's not, it doesn't mean they're bad, nasty people. All of them are bad, nasty people. They are not. Some of them are from really cool people. But the nature of it is incompetence. And uh, so the bigger it gets, the screwier it gets. The smaller it gets, the less chance of screw-ups, right? It's kind of like if you have an automobile. You have an automobile, it breaks down once in a while. If you've got 20 automobiles, you're going to be fixing a lot of automobiles because the nature of them is they break down. So the Internet, the in, Internal Revenue Service, commonly called the IRS, sent 20, almost 24,000 tax returns worth a combined $46 million to unauthorized illegal alien workers who all used the same address in Atlanta, Georgia, in 2011, according to the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, commonly called TIGTA. TIGTA. So the Internal Revenue Service had no way to, to flag... 24,000 tax refunds going to the same address. I thought, where where have I been all my life? I, I'd like $46 million of other people's money. Politicians love other people's money, and they spend it. You know, it's kind of like a guy came to our church one time, and he says, we want to take an offering at tonight. And he says, reach into your, your uh, neighbor's pocket right next to you and spend like you always wanted to, right? So Dundor, don't write your own check, but take your neighbor's checkbook and write a check off his check. 
checkbook. So isn't that how it is when you're when you're not managing your own money, you've got other people's money, you're just not quite as careful. Says this was not the only Atlanta address theoretically used by thousands of unauthorized alien, illegal alien workers receiving millions in federal funds, refunds in 2011. It says, according to TIGTA audit report published last year, four of the top 10 addresses to which the IRS sent thousands of tax refunds to unauthorized aliens were in Atlanta. These people were working a scam, folks. The IRS sent 11,284 refunds worth, worth a total of $2,164,000 in change to unauthorized alien workers at a second Atlanta address. And then 3,608 uh, refunds worth two, almost $2.7 million to a third. And 2,386 address, uh, refunds went to another address worth $1.2 million. Uh, that's four addresses in Atlanta alone. So other locations of the top 10. These are just the top 10, folks, for singular addresses that were theoretically used simultaneously by thousands of unauthorized illegal aliens, included an address in Oxnard, California, where the IRS sent 2,507. This isn't dollars. This is refund checks. Can you imagine the system cranking out 2,500 checks to your address and not picking up on it? Worth $10 million. An address in Raleigh, North North Carolina, that got 2,400 refunds. I'm rounding them off here. Worth $7 million. An address in Phoenix, Arizona got... 2047 refunds worth 5.5 million. An address in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, where the IRS sent 1,972 refunds, 2.2 million. San Jose, California, 1,942 refunds worth over 5 million. And an address in Arvin, California, 1,846 1, uh, 1, refunds worth 3.2 million. Now, listen, if you think that the illegal alien community isn't all tuned into this scam. You are just, you're smoking the funny weed and really naive. Since 1996, the IRS has issued what it calls individual taxpayer identification numbers. That is not a social security number, folks. That's an, what they call an I-10, I-T-I-N, I-10 number. And they've been they've been issuing since 1996 these unique numbers to two classes of persons: a non-resident alien who have a tax liability in the United States, and aliens living in the United States who are not authorized to work in the United States. Now, why would you give an I-10 number to somebody that's not authorized to work? See, that's there's some corruption. This is called what they call today. It's a common name today: the deep state. The IRS has long known it was giving these numbers to illegal aliens and thus facilitating their ability to work illegally in the U.S. of A. The IRS was complicit in this. That's what they call the deep state. That's like Yuba College saying, don't tell anybody else, the staff, don't tell anybody else about illegal aliens going to school here and us paying their way even though they're in here illegally. We don't have to turn them in. Be quiet. 
The IRS has long known has given these numbers to illegal aliens and thus facilitating their ability to work illegal in the U.S. of A. For example, the Tre- Treasury Inspector General, the semi-annual report published in October 29, 1999, nearly 14 years ago, specifically, like this isn't like new news, although they're talking about it again today. The problem is the IRS issues these I-10s to undocumented aliens to improve non-residential alien compliance with tax laws. The IRS seems practice seems counterproductive to the Immigration and Naturalization Service, used to be called the INS, now it's called ICE, the, their mission to identify undocumented aliens and prevent unlawful entry. In other words, if you can identify them as illegal, why not arrest them and throw them out of the country? Why are you giving them the ability to work here? In August 2012 press release, TIGTA said the report validated the complaints of the IRS employees. TIGTA found the IRS management has not established adequate internal controls to detect and prevent the assignment of an I-10 to individuals submitting questionable applications. On and on and it goes. People, if you, I, I get so sick and tired. Hey, I, I meet a lot of, I, I meet more illegals than probably anybody in this town besides the people that work at Yuba County Sheriff's Department. Because they got 100, 100 to 200 of them living over there all the time from all over the world. I just met a new gal from Romania and uh, Mexico and people from El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Russia, uh, China. And um, nice people. They're there because they committed a crime. They served their time somewhere, and now they're fighting deportation, right? And uh, so it's amazing all the scams. So people say, oh, well, you know, these people from they're coming here for opportunity and they're coming here for this and that and the other thing. We got some gnarly guys over there that are all tatted MS-13 guys over at the jail. They are not coming here for opportunity. What they're coming to do is molest little girls, shoot people, slit their throat, beat them to death. That's what they're coming for. And uh, so it, it when they're ripping the country off, we have thousands. And this is when you add this up, these are just the top 10, the top 10 cases, cities. These are thousands and thousands of people that conspired to rip off the taxpayers. That's what happened here. They're conspiring to rip off the taxpayers, stealing from the government, which is you and me. And people say, well, they're such hardworking people and they're paying their fair share of taxes. They are not paying their fair share of taxes. They keep track of these things and they are not paying their fair share and they are getting all kinds of benefits. You know what would be cool? If Trump would say we're cutting every benefit to everybody that's not a citizen of the United States. Boom. We would be rich overnight. No food stamps, no free education, no welfare, no Section 8 housing, no WIC funding for new children, no no free medical. Screw all that. You come here? Okay. Pay your own way, baby. Get them shekels out. Get them pesos out. Get them dongs out. Get them rubles out, right? 
bust bust out those the kip. Get out the kip. Get all the different currencies out. Pay your own way. Why why are we paying for it? I don't want to pay for it. Where is it? But we got to pay for that. No other country pays for it. Just a big old ripoff. Tigta said there are 154 addresses around the country that appeared on 1,000 or more I-10 applications made to the IRS. That's a conspiracy, folks. That's a conspiracy to rip off the, the United States government. That'd be me and you. And that's illegal aliens. It's the same thing when the Russian mafia sets up the, and they figure out how to rip off, rip off Medicare and Medi-Cal. They just start sending in uh, requests for payment. They they set up a whole set of paperwork and computers like as if they're doctors and they have doctor's offices and their fictitious names. And they just start sending in millions and millions of requests for payment for all kinds of stuff. And they get it until they get busted. It's a total scam, people. Now, there are all kinds of people ripping. Uh, I'll give you an example, local example that someone brought up to me the other day. And I thought, I don't know whether that's true or not. I'm going to look it up. It was an accusation. I thought, I don't know about these people. Some people really like these people. They think, oh, they're fine. They're salt of the earth type people. God bless them and all that stuff. But I I looked up an article from 2007 by a guy named John Dickey. I don't know where John is nowadays, but back then he worked for the Appeal Democrat, the daily daily paper up in this part of the country. And the title is Ex-Officials Applied for EDC Loans. And, uh, and I'm, and so, um, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take a break right now because we're at the, uh, two thirds part here and then I'll, I'll do this all in one section. So let's see. Uh, Okay. So, uh, we'll be right back and then we will do our fifth of six segments. Okay. Hang in there. First, there's Angela. We met her on a jaywalk where we talked about the Bible. And here's what she had to say. What were Jesus' parents' names? Uh, Mary and Joseph. Very good. And approximately how many years ago did he live? Oh, gosh. 250 million years ago. 250 million years ago. Now I was most proud of, for eight years, there wasn't one single hint of a scandal or a lie. You serious? What's one of your favorite things he's done in office? Um, what he's doing for the black community. You know, people, all the black people that I know, and they always love to come to me and say, well, what the hell is he doing, actually? And I like to tell them, just pay attention to your surroundings. Before, before Trump came into office, the biggest problem we have in the black community is the fact of all the Mexicans and illegals come in and they, you know, they take all the landscaping jobs, the painting jobs, all the big contractors because they can come in and work illegally and, you know, just pay one another under the table much of any, nothing. And people are like, well, what that has to do with Trump? It has all to do with Trump because of the simple fact 
when they're taking the business from us, then us as blacks, that's how we stay in poverty. The whole point of getting us out of poverty is the fact that we can get out and work again, you know? And people can call them racist all they want. But the way I say it, I say the hell with them, point blank period. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, he's helping me and my family. We never owned a house before Trump came in the office. Now we own a home, own cars. You know, our family is doing great, you know? So the hell with what people say. And, you know, that's the biggest thing I love with Trump. I love to stick on just the black community and the black side of things. And it's not such a race thing with me. It's just realness, you know. And I, I tell people, Trump, the blackest president we'll ever have. And, you know, people don't understand why I say that and they get mad because of Obama, of course. But with me, you, if you ask me directly, hell, think about blacks. You know, we say what we want, when we want. Either you're with us or you're against us. And these are the things that Trump stand on. He's not going to care. No one is going to shut him up. He's not a politician. He's just simply just running this country as a business, and I love every second of it. All right, so what I want to talk about for a few minutes now is that in big government, not only do illegal aliens dip into big government, but so do Americans. So the more that government uh, gets his mitts into business and personal life, then big business gets their, their, their fingers in the till. And it's very difficult for people uh, – even contractors, even businesses will get their fingers in the till to try to lighten the load of pressure from government on business because government's always taking money from business. So what happened is business then, uh, they manipulate the system and they manipulate people and pay off people. And I'm going to tell you some examples of that where people start, uh, in other words, Remember I said the government does not make anything. They does not, it does not sell anything. It just takes money from the you and me. Like in the early days of the colonies, they all put together their money and they'd build a bridge. Well, you got to see the bridge and you got to know who was building it and maybe you helped build it. But we had to buy the timbers. You had to buy this. You had to buy this. And you built the bridge. So you walked away and you finished the project and nobody had their, their uh, hooks of self-interest into the cash into the money box. But nowadays we hire everything out. And so all this money flows into Sacramento and Washington, DC. And then these representatives, these elected people and appointed people, they, they just dream up all these reasons to give the money away. And then they give the money to other people. And so what happens is, is then people at the local level, they see all this money they get on these boards and they think, well, I want some. So this is what happens here. So we have two people, uh, local people that that happened to. And uh, one of them is named Dan Flores. He uh, is a supervisor for Sutter County. And the other is Crystal Martin. And she runs a public relations firm. But she's got herself involved all over the place on boards like the Water Agency Board. And then she was, here she was on the Economic Development Commission Board. And when they get in there, they just see all the money. It's all over the place, and people are getting lots of money. 
and how do I line up to get some of this money? Because they love money. They lust for money. They dream about it. They get all, they get an erection over it. They get all wet and hot and bothered over it. They get, I want some money. I want more money. I work hard and I, I want to. I want a second house. No, I want a third house. No, I want a fourth house. I want an extra car. I want a new car. I want more money than you have. So the Economic Development Corporation, Yuba Sutter, they get money from the government. That's you or my money that was taken from us by force. If you don't pay it, you will go to jail. They will take your car. They will take your assets, and they'll say, you give us your money. And then they give it to people like the Ubik Sutter Economic Development people and successful people that don't even need the money. Dan Flores and Crystal Martin, they said, we can get money. We can get money for 3%. So we're going to apply for it because we know all about it. And we're on the board. They call that self-dealing. And so... The loan documents show that two loans to former board members Dan Flores and Crystal Martin, it says here in the article, would have carried a 3% annual interest rate. That's pretty cheap back then. A rate lower than any other loans listed on the EDC portfolio of in-house loans. In other words, they were getting a sweetheart deal, some people would call it. In other words, they were getting a better deal than even other people got a better deal. But problems emerged, it says, when the community development block grant loans before the money uh, merged. The problems emerged before the money was given. State attorneys started looking into the loans after the appeal Democrat filed a FOIA request. The chief operating officer at that time was a guy named Steve Bramer, or Brammer, however you want to say it. The loans were withdrawn then by Flores and Martin after attorneys found that the Federal Department of Housing and Urban Development had said that's a conflict of interest that requires board members to be off the board for one year. Now, I was on the school board for the county under Rick Teagarden, Yuba County Office of Education, and this is so small potatoes. These guys were getting hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? And so Rick wanted to, Rick Teagarden wanted to do a billboard campaign, and I did billboards at the time. I wasn't trying to make any money on it, but I was just giving him advice. And he said, I really appreciate the advice. We're going to do this campaign because of your advice. And he said, but I don't want you to be involved in it. We'll purchase the billboards not through you but around you. We don't want you your name on anything because it looks like a conflict of interest because you're on the school board. And we don't want to make it look like you're on the school board benefiting financially by being on the school board, right? That's that's a keeping yourself at arm's length. So we did it in a way. I just gave intellectual advice for no pay. And they purchased the billboards and they bought the posters and we did the whole campaign. And there was no conflict. But in this situation, we have people on the board and that the Economic Development Corporation is in the business of helping businesses thrive so that hopefully this is government's attempt to do something that private sector does for free. But the, but government thinks that they can act. Remember Obama did these shovel-ready jobs that cost two and three and $400,000 each? This is the same thing with Economic Development Corporation. So Crystal Martin, who... I don't even think she hires any employees to speak of. And Dan Flores, they said, we want some money. And Bramer said, I like you, and I'm going to give you some money. 
And none of these people claim to know the rules, which was you can't give board members money. In fact, when I file a 501c3 report, like a 990 or a 199 form with the IRS, I have to show on there if any board members got any benefits, like if they got paid, how much did they get paid? And if they got a loan, how much did you give a loan to a board member? That's a no-no. So um, anyway... After serving at the EDC's loan administration for 10 years, Bramer was promised, promoted by a board vote to become the nonprofit chief officer. And so Martin and Flores quit the board on December 5th and December 15th, respectively, to take a loan. So they, they say, hey, we can give you a loan, but you can't be on the board. That's illegal. That's illegal, and it's really a conflict of interest, and it's wrong. So they they ended up saying, well, then we'll get off the board. So, so much for public surface, right? Oh, I really want to serve here. Yeah, I want to help my community. Oh, yeah, I'm dedicated. Not until they were going to get hundreds of thousands of dollars. So they said, screw the board. Screw public service. If I'm not going to get paid for it, hell with it. And so they got off the board so they could get these cheap loans. And so Bramer went forward, they're going to give him the money. But then, so let me, the two loans, 144200 was for Martin Smart Marketing. And Dan Flores was going to get 113500 And then another shoe dropped. And that was that you have to be off the board for one year. To stop just what they were doing. They they were going to try to get a loan. They they filed the appropriate paperwork. And everybody liked them. They said we're going to give you some money. It's interesting you know. It's not the bank's money. It's the people of the state of California. The U.S. money. So they were going to get some taxpayer money. And they are going to get to use it to profit by. Right? But then when they realized that they weren't going to get it because they were board members, they said, well, screw being on the board. I'm out of here. And then they found out they had to be off the board for one year. What does that say to you about the people that made those rules? They wanted to keep people from ripping the taxpayers off, right? So this is the same Crystal Martin that was behind Major K that ripped off, that, uh, ripped off the, the taxpayers of Yuba County. The same Crystal Martin. This is the same Crystal Martin. You'll see her running all these campaigns. Basically, she's a, a what I call a political whore. It doesn't really make any difference what the issue is. It's just I'm going to make money, and uh, whatever. I don't really care what your what your uh, your approach is in life, your philosophy. I'm in it for the money, just like this thing with the EDC. Oh, I can't be on the board to get this money then I'm getting off the board. Screw public service. Oh, well, then I can't get the money now being off the board if I got to wait for a year. Why would they make people wait for a year? Because it's self-dealing. It's taking advantage of the government. But it happens all the time, people. You're a candidate for supervisor, and you get this check in the mail. Oh, we just, we love what you're doing. Here's $5,000, Ricky Scamayoa with the city of Marisville. So the marijuana company that just moved in and built built a building right across from the Adventist Hospital, they got rejected from their application 
for a marijuana sales location because they had a felon on the board. They knew what the rules were, but they just sent it through. And so they got rejected. And so they appealed that and they, they, the city council allowed them to appeal it. And all of a sudden, the mayor, Ricky Scamayoa, got $5,000 in the mail. Well, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah to you. And then another 5000 came. I thought, well, I'm feeling really good about this appeal. What do they call it? River City Phoenix or something was the company. Then I'm feeling really, I'm feeling positive. I'm feeling the move of God on me to give this loan out. It's like I'm feeling like give that EDC money. It's Well, it's not, you know, it's always easy to give away someone else's money. Is it not? Hallelujah. Find $20 on the pavement. Just go down there and buy me a some big old nice dinner instead of going home and cooking. Somebody else, I'm gonna, somebody else just bought me a meal. Well, it's this thing is catching. You know, you look at all these, you hear people like Jim Whitaker, and you hear people, all these rumors. Well, somebody's willing to pay him a lot of money each month if he'll pass this marijuana ordinance over there in Sutter County, commercial marijuana ordinance. Wonder how Mary Jane, how much money Mary Jane Griego got for switching the fire, the fire uh, gig for the uh, casino from Wheatland Fire, which had the jurisdiction for that area, over to Opud, right? How much, how much cash she's going to get all out of all this and getting that casino here and all that stuff? Everybody, it's funny how these things just tend to pay you back, just kind of money you cash your bread on the water and. Good things begin to happen. Well, down in San Francisco, shit city, shit on a brick, as they say, corruption and all this San Francisco, by the way, I left my heart in San Francisco. Now I just, I left my turd down there. The head of San Francisco's department of public works has been arrested on charges of public corruption, right? That's what, that's what. Flores and Martin were doing this public corruption. If the state of California hadn't stepped in and the federal government and put the kibosh on that, they would have walked off with some money. And and they say, you know, it's amazing to me, all these people on these boards. Well, we're smarter than you guys. Well, you don't know what you're talking about. You write an article. Oh, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You're lying. You, know, you just don't have the facts. They have all the facts, right? They're the brightest people in town on the supervisor, city council, and all these boards are the, you know, when they're running and when they're serving, well, well, you know, you just don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Okay. I don't, maybe I don't. Why don't you tell us what, why don't you tell us how it works? So, well, you know, I don't, blah, blah, blah. so, so then, but then when something goes down and, oh, well, I, I didn't know, well, I didn't know that was a rule that a board member, I couldn't loan myself. Who do you think votes on the loan? The corporate, the board members vote on the loan. I didn't know I couldn't vote myself $140,000. I didn't, I didn't know I couldn't be a board member and get money. Oh, I didn't know I couldn't. I had to be off the board for one year. Well, okay, then I'll just get off the board. Public, listen to this. This is, this is huge. And I don't think I have time to do the Puerto Rican one, but I'm telling you, I got a news release from the federal government on the Puerto Rican arrests. They're arresting people down there. It is funky. U.S. people running Puerto Rico, just making money off the off the tragedy, making money off tragedy, off that hurricane and and uh, off the uh, 
there's been two disasters, earthquake and hurricane. So public works. Wouldn't you know that San Francisco has a public works director by this name? Mohammed Nuru, 58, was arrested Monday by FBI agents accused of several corruption schemes involving city contracts. Businessman and restauranteur Nick Bovis, 57, owner of the famous Lefty O'Doul's Bar and Restaurant, was also arrested as part of the probe. Nuru is the chair of the Trans Bay Joint Powers Authority Board of Directors, just like these Flores and, and Martin were the head of the EDC, which administers Salesforce Transit Center in San Francisco. Now, this is so unbelievable. Dave Anderson, U.S. Attorney for Northern District of California, announced charges. The complaint alleges corruption pouring into San Francisco from around the world, said Anderson. The complaint alleges corruption, bribery, side deals by one of San Francisco's highest-ranking public deployees. Plus, he, he organizes a picking up of shit on the streets of San Francisco. The complaint alleges Nuru was involved in five corruption schemes in just one year. They're just they're zeroing in on one year, 2018-19. One alleged scheme involved lease of restaurant space at San Francisco International Airport. I've probably eaten at some of those places. Normally awarded by five-person airport commission commissioners. The complaint alleges New and Bova schemed to bribe an airport commissioner with cash and travel and bribes. And happens all the time around here. You want to go to the King's Gate, baby? I got you. Let me get a limo. We take you down. Give you up. Put you in a skybox. You want to go to the Giants game? Let's go to the Giants, and we will pay for you. We'll buy you a chili dog and get you some beers and all that stuff. And we got you, dude. And a second scheme involved an unidentified Chinese billionaire developer who allegedly provided Nuru with travel, lodging, high-end high liquor. Not just liquor. No wine for him. High-end liquor and other gifts in order to manipulate the building permit and inspection processes for the developer. When you get government that's... That's controlling every bit of society. You get bribe and people will pay everybody off and people will undermine it. The third scheme involved commercial lease rights at Trans Bay Transit Center in, involving this Bovis guy. A fourth involved the public process for building new public restrooms and homeless shelters. And old Bovis was involved again and in getting he got all the deals. Good for him. Last a complaint. Now this will this is like the local angle. Come on, people. We got we got uh, Governor Brown. We got the Geologic Department of the State of California surveying Governor Brown's ranch up here in Williams, outside of Williams in Calusa County, for oil. Remember that? And we the people's money was Brown doesn't have enough money to do it himself, right? We had to do it for him. He's so poor as a governor. So now we got Nuru. Lastly, the complaint alleges the contractors performing work for the city of San Francisco also worked to build Nuru's vacation home. Where? In Stony Ford, Calusa County, providing him free and discounted labor materials and a John Deere tractor. Well, God bless you, Mohammed. Hallelujah to you. And may the 72 versions just jump all over your rear end when you get up there. New Nuru and Bovis face a maximum of 20 years in prison and maybe a free free rolls of toilet paper to clean up all the shit in their life. 
because they have it on the brain down there in San Francisco. Uh, if they're convicted, Nuru also faces an additional five years for re- giving false information to federal investigators. Shame on him lying to the FBI. Of course, he'll get off, but Major Flynn, who didn't lie, and they lied saying he lied, they probably won't get off, General Flynn. But this old dirtbag probably will get by with a good old attorney. Anderson said Nuru was initially arrested, da-da-da-da. Uh, let's see. They they cited and released these boys with, on bail. Supervisor Matt Haney, a frequent critic of the Department of Public Works, said in a statement that the lack of accountability by the department has been a recipe for corruption and complete failure to keep our streets clean. Well, hallelujah. Uh, That's true of every part of government. There's no accountability. San Francisco has been so dirty that we've now been become famous for human waste on our streets. We're as famous for that as for the Golden Gate Bridge. Actually, more famous. It's sad, he said, unhealthy, clearly unacceptable, and the people elected to run our city should be embarrassed that it's been allowed to to continue this long. Let me tell you something, people. Don't you ever think that public officials are embarrassed. These people are so full of crap and full of themselves that they they look at Marysville and see it as bright and successful and just like bustling and like beautiful and just full of love and understanding. We'll be right back for our final segment in just a moment. If you ever change your mind about leaving me Leaving me behind Oh, bring it to me Bring your sweet love and Bring it on home to me Yeah, yeah You know I laugh The nation and the world was shocked Sunday afternoon by the news that NBA legend Kobe Bryant, his 13-year-old daughter, and seven others had died suddenly in a helicopter crash in Calabasas, California. And before details came out describing how their group was on the way to watch a game, before the world had learned that Gianna had had hopes of playing in the WNBA, heck, before first responders had even processed the scene, the scum around the collective social toilet bowl had already begun using this tragedy to call people racists and bash Trump. Because somehow, our low just keeps finding ways to go lower. NBA star Kobe Bryant left behind his wife and three children, the youngest of which was born just last summer. His daughter Gianna had planned on carrying on her dad's legacy as a talented athlete. Also killed were a baseball coach from Orange County along with his wife and his teenage daughter. But who cares about all of that when you can use their horrific death to blast Trump and call people racists, yeah? After all, we should never let a good tragedy go to waste. That's what we've been told, right? A Washington Post reporter actually took the time to criticize Trump for initially tweeting that only four people had died in the helicopter crash when the L.A. Times was reporting there were five. A Vox writer accused Trump of plagiarizing former President Obama's tweet sending condolences over Bryant's death. And AACP leader Bishop Talbert Swan, who fancies himself a pastor and a Christian by some wild stretch, said that Kobe's death was only exacerbated by the fact that Trump is still in office. 
Others mocked an MSNBC anchor for accidentally combining the words Knicks and Lakers in what was obviously a verbal stumble, saying that she had dropped the N-word on live TV. It seems like he was just the kind of athlete, the kind of star that was perfectly cast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Los Angeles Lakers. Now look, I've got no love for MSNBC. As far as I'm concerned, they're the news equivalent of a steaming dog turd, but seriously, this was a simple and clear mistake. And if you think otherwise, you are being willfully obtuse. But see, this is where we're at now. A man, his teenage daughter, and seven other people died in a horrible accident. Family members will be left to bury what's left of their loved ones. A mom lost her husband and child. Three siblings lost their sister. Parents lost their kids. Even if you're not a Kobe fan, thanks to some of his past history, eight other people died. A baseball coach, his wife, and his young daughter are now gone. And pundits and journalists and Twitter checkmarks are using this awful tragedy to accuse people of being racist and call Donald Trump a liar. You want to know what average Americans who go to work every day and pay their bills and just live their life, you want to know what they are sick and tired of? This. This crap right here. Where nothing is sacred, nothing's a come-together moment, nothing is respected, not even death. We can't come together and just be sad about something. Because anything and everything can now be used as yet another opportunity to sling mud and call things racist and hate on the president. So now let me help y'all out, for those of you who have lost yourselves and your decency in the moral dumpster fire that is our current society. A basketball player who inspired millions, his teenage daughter who still had her entire life ahead of her, and seven other people with friends and family who loved them died yesterday in a helicopter crash. And our nation mourns with those that they left behind. And if you see any room in that story to throw shade on somebody, then shame on you. You are the worst we have to offer. Hi, what's your name? Shelby. Shelby, what do you do? Um, I go to school at Michigan State University. And what is your major? Supply chain management. Very computer savvy? Yeah. Well, that's what we're trying to find out. People are more computer savvy or real world savvy. Mm -hmm. What once divided East Berlin and West Berlin? Uh, the Great Wall of China. The Great Wall of China. Good. Where can you write on your friend's wall? Uh, Facebook. Facebook, okay. What is a Kindle? Oh, my sister has that. You can yeah. read different books, download you can read on them. It. Okay. <laughs> what is kindling? Does that have something to do with um, reading? A family? Like me next of kindling? Like if you're in an accident, you would call your next of kindling? Yeah. Hi, what's your name? Taylor Burrow. Taylor, okay. And uh, you're a college student? Yes, at Howard University. Oh, very good. What does NATO stand for? NATO stands for New Automobile Dealership Occasion. No. No. Okay. What does R-O-F-L-A-L-M-A-O stand for? Rolling on the floor, laughing my ass off. <laughs> what is the object of angry birds? Birds on your iPhone and you pull it back and then yeah. shoot it. Knock over like boxes and bricks. Are there any pigs or anything like that involved? Pigs, yeah, and like some yeah. things get you points okay, and right. then you win the game. What is our objective in Afghanistan? To... Get oil, that's not ours? No. No? no. I would stick with the angry birds. Angry birds? <laughs> in Greek mythology, what is a Trojan horse? It's a horse that Trojans rode in the battle. Yeah. They, they, they were a bunch of them, or they just had one horse? Uh, there were a bunch of them. Uh, there there's there's a ton of, of these yeah. Trojan horses. I assume there was more than one. Come galloping across. <laughs> All right. Okay. And, and what happened? Any idea? Uh, they fought wars on them. I, yeah, they yeah. gave them an advantage over the enemy. And what was the advantage of the Trojan horse? It was faster than all the other yeah, horses. Yeah. And it was made out of wood. 
That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all the Trojans hid in it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, they you hit, don't want to be hiding in a real horse. No, they wouldn't. No, not but I tell you what, coming out would just be just horrible. On the internet, what is a Trojan horse? It's virus. Virus. Right. Where is the Amazon located? Uh, somewhere near Africa. No, no. What is Amazon.com? You can buy everything at Amazon. Everything. everything. Maybe a geography book. Sure. Hi, yeah. right, what's your name? Jeremiah Wasser. Uh, what once divided East Germany and West Germany? Sea. The sea. All right. And then the water evaporated. And they were... United? United. Okay. Where can you write on your friend's wall? Oh, Facebook. Facebook. Hi, what's your name? Gong. What is a pediatrician? That's the feet. Feet. That's a foot doctor. Okay. What is Wikipedia? It's an online source for everything. It's like an encyclopedia. So if you looked up pediatrician on Wikipedia, you would get... The answer would be a foot doctor. Foot doctor. When you baby... Well, to start this segment, final segment of the day, let me give a shout out to Ted Holmes and uh, the plumbing doctor. And uh, I haven't used them for a while, but I got I got my notice my kitchen sink. It's starting to like when I turn on the water, it's like singing to me. Water's coming out and it's like making all these funky noises. Then it spurts a little water out the handle and everything. I said, you know, I'm no plumber, but that ain't right. That the faucet's not supposed to make noise like singing and stuff, like a demon in there. It seemed like there's a demon. I got a plumbing demon in that doggone faucet. And then it like sometimes the water comes out the handle and then it comes out the spout. And I said, that's not right. So I'm going to have to get plumbing doctor over here. So if you have a need 24 hours a day, they used to have they used to have vans that looked like an ambulance, but now they look a little bit different. I think they're upgrading their image so they don't look like they're coming in f- to fix your heart attack. So, but they're they're nice looking operations, nice looking van. If you want to dial them up, you should write down this number, keep it on your fridge, and they'll come even at an awkward moment for you. They come quick. Five three zero six seven one nine one one one. Five three zero six seven one nine one one one. So I want to talk a little bit, and then I'll maybe have time to get to Puerto Rico. But I want to talk a little bit about Yuba College, and Yuba College uh, is, is on a bent since they passed uh, the two thousand six and two thousand sixteen bonds, and they. Uh, they pass the the government the state government gives the community college districts there's 73 districts the community the 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 uh, state of california budgets money to give all of education and so they give somewhat some to universities some to state colleges <clears throat> some to um the uh, community colleges and then on down to all the way down to elementary school 
So, but the the colleges aren't able to live on that because they keep raising the pay, and they can't afford to pay the union pensions and the unions and the pay of the the teachers. They just can't afford to raise the pay. So now what they do is they come out and they say, well, the legislature. They convinced the legislature to pass laws to say that the local college system and local school system can raise their own money by uh, setting out bonds. And if they get the people to approve it, then they can create these bonds, which is essential. It's a loan, and they'll go get hundreds of millions of dollars, and then you'll pay them back over like 30, 40 years. Well, the problem is that some of these bonds are at such high interest rates, you're paying back $12 for every $1 you borrow. It's a total ripoff. Now, the other thing is they say, well, we need to build a new building. We need, it to, we need to do maintenance. We need it to mow the grass. We need to do this. We need to do that. The other, so you begin to ask, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean you just let all these buildings go to pot? So I, the other day... Um, so so we got all these bonds we're still paying on all the way back to 2006, right? Still paying hundreds of millions of dollars. And now they want to borrow another 200 something million dollars on this measure C. And they say they say the same things they said back in the day. We want to build some buildings. We want to improve through some tech improve the technology. We want to do some roofs, we want to get some mold out, we want to redo some buildings, da da da. da. So then we find out I went to Yuba College for a year. Then I've taken some other courses out there. So I've been in a variety of the classrooms. But I guess I haven't been out there a lot. But what's happened is they couldn't afford to maintain the buildings because they couldn't. They gave all the money out in salaries. So I don't know whether you remember, they had a, a beautiful swimming pool competition, Olympic competition, swimming pool and diving pool out there that they just finally just filled it in. In fact, my kids, I had two kids and. They used to, I had them in uh, the Feather River Air, Air Aquatic uh, competition or, you know, anyway, swimming competition. And they used to practice out there. Amazing pool. It's gone. They just filled it in. So anyway, uh, they, they've made some improvements out at the college campus since they did the other bond. But I just found out that three of the buildings, major buildings, are what they call mothballed. What that means is they're shut down because they're not inhabitable and they need to be totally remodeled. But at the same time, instead of remodeling those, they took the last bond money and built a brand new facility in Sutter County on, on, uh, on, uh, East, uh, East Onstott road between Pease and eager. Now, why would they put a new building over there? and abandon buildings in Yuba County. It just doesn't make any sense to me. You'd think you would maintain your current campus, but what they've gone and done is they've been sending our money that we pay in taxes. Now, we don't all pay taxes just in Yuba and Sutter County. Their district includes other counties as well, set portions of six to eight counties or something like that. And so Yolo County, and so they built this fantastic woodland campus. But I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to build no more buildings. They're not filling. In other words, they're not using three buildings right now, and they're going to mothball a fourth building. I heard. So if they're not using those buildings, what are we doing building new buildings? It's it's the craziest thing I ever heard. I had I had no idea since since they announced they were going to increase. Uh, they were going to 
put this bond measure and we're going to have to pay almost twice the amount of money they're borrowing. We're going to have to pay twice back. It's kind of like saying, hey, I want to buy these. I want to buy $100 worth of clothes, but I don't have the $100 right now. So can I pay you later? But I'll pay you $200 for the clothes. It's like crazy. You're going to pay $200 for clothes that cost $100. So they're in this new Measure C. They're talking about building more new buildings. And the fact is, Right in their own documents online, it says that some of their lecture halls are being underused. That means, what that means to me is like the classes I've sat in before, I've taken. And you'll go to set in a class, and there's 100 seats, and there's maybe 35 people there. Well, that's underused. Or maybe they're only used twice a day, that, that hall. Well, that's crazy. No factory in the United States, no business in the United States could afford to only have only run uh, 25% of the time or 30% of the time and maintain those buildings and that equipment. It's ridiculous. The, the college system in, the United, in, the, in California, the community college system, which is the junior colleges, is going broke. And, and people are quitting attending them. They're just not attending them anymore. And the, I don't know the entire equation on why. I have some ideas. And I think... A lot of the classes that are taught in college nowadays are stupid classes, right? About zombies, about you might be another gender, about studying about history of females or about the history of black people. I'm a, I just I want you to how much does that pay you when you get out of school and you took knitting or you took hiking or you took the history of recreation or uh, sexuality. Does that make you a better person? I, you know, to me, I don't know why taxpayers are paying for those things. So what's happening is the tuition isn't enough to pay all these stupid costs. Like for instance, when you hear Elizabeth Warren, who's the Senator from, uh, Massachusetts running for president, I've, I've read numbers of times that she got paid $400,000 to teach one class. You know, people, I I do not feel, I'm not bitter at her. I just think that's a terrible waste of money. And I don't think any, any class is worth $400,000 professor. Now, if you want to pay a professor $200,000, $400,000, and he's teaching numbers of classes, and you have lots of kids attending, that, that may make sense somewhere. But for a law professor to teach one class and get $400,000, if that's factual, that just doesn't make sense. And the teachers, like, for instance, we got, I think the top four people working at Yuba College are getting a million dollars, total of a million dollars. That's just, that's just, to me, ridiculous. It's just not worth it. It's like saying you get to go get a burger that normally should cost $7, $5, and they want $50 for it, right? It just say, you know, at, at some point you just be, said, that's ridiculous. We can't afford it. You may be a, they may be a nice person. That they, the, the leaders at Yuba College may be the nicest people in the world. People of integrity. Wonderful people. But they're not worth $300,000, people. We cannot pay that. And the system is going broke. And, and people are, you know something, at some point people will vote with their feet. They say, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not, I don't see any... I don't see any benefit in coming here because I'm not, I'm not, it's not benefiting me in the end. 
The course is not benefiting. The course of instruction is not benefiting me. You go to some of those courses, and they're propaganda courses. They're anti-Christian. It, it's if if a person was an atheist or a Muslim, hated Christianity. All he needs to do is keep his mouth shut, right? Like I could teach a class at an all-Muslim institution, and I could teach on the topic they wanted, and I'd be fine. But some of these people cannot keep their mouth shut, so they go off and they trash Trump. Like, what's that about? How's that going to improve my life, trashing Trump or trashing, trashing anybody, trashing Obama, trashing this, trashing that? How's that? I'm paying you to help me get a degree in this and become a better person and a more skilled person at counseling or nursing or whatever, and you're going off talking trash about some stupid stuff or about there's really five genders or 15 genders. That's just nutso, people. And so there is no way. In fact, if they can't float Yuba College, they need to just shut the sucker down. And, you know, it's not going to be the end of the world. There's all kinds of people that will train you, hire you. In fact, I have friends that have gone to the, you know, from mechanics, they went to UTI down here right for Sacramento on the right-hand side going into Sacramento. They went to UTI, and they, they got a degree in one year at UTI, and they were hired before they left there, and have, and they're working full-time. One's a single mom, went down there in their 30s, and has a great job in 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 uh, the mechanic field. In, uh, so it it's just not paying off. It's it in the the putting up big multi-million dollar buildings is old school and with technology, why not just learn at home through a, for through a lot of it can be online. And we don't need all these big campuses and that's what the the to me that's what's that people are deciding I don't want to do that no more. I don't want to spend all my life hanging out at that campus. It's a loser. It's a loser, certainly if you've got kids because you don't have time. And 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 I think people are voting with their feet. The state of California is one of the few states in the union, and it's a trendsetter state. Think about it. It's a trendsetter state in good and bad things. People are choosing not to attend junior colleges. And, uh, and so what do they do? I, did you follow this? The legislature said, and I wondered when they did it, why did you do that? They said, "Hey, come to you because come to the ju- junior colleges. We'll give you the first year free. Why? Because after the first year, then you'll start paying. But but they can't get people to pay for their product anymore, so they're giving you away free, right? It's you know, it's a lot more than giving a free soda that you never tasted before. Going to a concert and giving out free sodas that are new flavor. It's a lot different than that. You're giving away a year." of education free of charge. Now that's that's a desperation move folks. And and who do you think's paying for that? That's the taxpayer instead of the people. Now a lot of people go to college when they don't have any skin in the game. How do you think how hard do you think it'll be to quit if if they run into a little adversity? They're going to quit. They're just going to quit. That's the way that is. So um now Vote no on Measure C. That's the college bond. There's going to be a bunch of bonds, and there's going to be Prop 13 is coming up. And where is that? Shoot. Uh, Attorney General Basera, which now people are calling Basura, which means garbage in Spanish. Basera uh, 
he has manipulated the title of this proposition 13. I don't know whether I can find it fast enough for you. I'm flipping through the pages here, this doggone thing. And they, they always describe things as different than they really are. And um, I bet I can't find it now. So anyway, it talks about rebuilding, build, rebuilding or constructing buildings. Here it is here. Authorization authorizes bonds for facility repair, construction, and modernization of public preschools, K-12 through schools, community colleges, and universities. It has nothing to do with this. It's, this is a crock of crap from Xavier Basura. What this is about is to under, undermine the, the uh, tax protections of Proposition 13 from back in 19, the early 1970s. It's either 73 or 74 or 75, something like that. And this is, this is allowing the state to remove the tax protections, the property tax protections off all commercial property. And that means who do you think is going to pay for this? As property taxes go up on commercial properties, the prices of whatever service or goods that you're going to get, or if you're renting an apartment or you're renting a building, it's all going up big time. There is no need for this. This is totally a scam. And if you pass this, then the next thing that's going to happen is you're going to lose your property tax protection on your homes. Now, when I looked on the Howard Jarvis Taxpayer Association website, hjta.org, you can find that there's a there's a uh, a gadget on there that you can put in the date that you bought your house and you can put in the the value of the house today, what you think the value is, and they will tell you how many dollars that the HJTA Prop 13 protections saved you. I'm telling you, I was saving, I think it saved me $6,000 a year or something like that. It was a huge amount of money, huge amount of money. You're going to lose those tax protections. if uh, th- That's going to be the next step if you just own a home. If you... But if you own commercial property, you're going to get nailed. And it and this this whole it doesn't say this in the title. If when you go to vote on Prop 13 here, it is not going to say that it's it's going to attack commercial property. It's going to revalue. They're going to come out and revalue and change the value of all commercial property, and slam big new taxes on all commercial property. So that is a huge deal. Okay, so there's just a few minutes left. You got to go on the internet and look up FEMA deputy regional administrator is arrested. I mean, this is so serious. This is huge. This makes the San Francisco guy look small. And the former president of Cobra Acquisitions and another former FEMA employee indicted indicted for conspiracy to commit bribery, honest services wire fraud disaster fraud, and other, many other charges. Now, this is a deal where people took advantage of a natural disaster to scam people. Now, during the, the fire up in the campfire, we, we were doing all kinds of relief organizations and shipping water and, and food, and, and we had all kinds of people doing fraud 
at our church trying to take products that they had nothing to do with the fire. They claimed they were a fire victim, and they were just in there getting free food, free clothes, free everything, scamming off, and it happens all the time. It's the same way that that uh, Crystal Martin and Dan Flores were scamming uh, the taxpayers on their, uh, in 2007, to get cheap loans. It's the same thing of homeless people coming out and scamming free food, saying they're a fire victim. It's the same thing when Red Cross comes out on a fire and said, we'll put you up in a hotel and people will come off the street saying, well, I was living there too. I, I, I that's my residence too. And to try to get a free night, free three nights in a hotel. So Asha Tribble. And, uh, so and uh, Donald Keith Ellison got in, it sounded like got in a little romance, that little affair going down there. And Asha Tribble, uh, she was a, a, a regional administrator, uh, all kinds of power, sector lead for power and infrastructure, all that kind of stuff. Don Keith Ellison, president of Cobra Acquisitions. She dished him like a billion-dollar contract. And then we had Jovanda Patterson, a.k.a. JoJo, female deputy chief of staff assigned to San Juan, Puerto Rico. Uh, all these people got busted. Now, I, I, I'm, out, I'm getting out of time, and uh, darn it, maybe I'll have to cover this. The counts that they nail these people on are shocking. They're like 15 different counts. And we're talking about billions of dollars. We're talking about giving gifts. Where are some of these gifts? Come on. Defendants Tribble and Ellison are facing a forfeiture allegation of of the following. These are forfeitures. They got to give these assets up. One million dollars contained in a Charles Schwab account in the name of David O'Donnell Ellison. Three over three and a half million dollars contained in the Charles Schwab account in the name of Ellison. Another one, one Myco boat trailer, one Caterpillar model, uh, da 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 tractor, another Caterpillar hydraulic excavator, seventy thousand uh, dollars. Oh, seventy thousand dollars in a checking account at J.P. Morgan Chase in the name of Ellison. Two hundred seventy-six thousand dollars contained in a savings account, J.P. Morgan, in the name of Ellison. Hundred thousand dollars contained in a savings account at J.P. Morgan, in the name of Ellison and Jacqueline Garrett. Oh, a forty-foot catamaran and one two thousand eighteen Ford what one fifty ta 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 ta. Uh, let's see. Oh, I wish I could find the rest of this about some of these other people. It is shocking. From 2017 October to April 2019, Tribble and Ellison developed a personal relationship wherein Ellison provided Tribble with things of value and with the intent to influence Tribble's performance of the official acts. Ellison provided Tribble with personal helicopter use, hotel accommodations, airfare, personal security services, and the use of a credit card. Well, darn. I wish some of people on my block would get some of that stuff as part of Ellison's pattern of providing things of value to Tribble. He also secured employment with Cobra's affiliated companies for her friend and defendant, Jojo Patterson in exchange, Tribble performed official acts, including influencing, advising and exerting pressure on PREPA and FEMA officials in order to award restoration work to Cobra. 
and accelerate the payments. In other words, get those payments quicker to Cobra. We're talking about contracts excess, exceeding $1 billion with a B dollars. Unbelievable. And so let's see what else. We're out of time, but I'll, I'll see if I can There's some just some unbelievable, incredible deals that they did here. The uh, the attorney says Rosa Rodriguez. I love these Mexican or Puerto Rican names. Rosa Emilia Rodriguez Velez. We can't just have two names. We got to have four names. So she says these defendants were supposed to come to Puerto Rico to help during the recovery after the devastation suffered from Hurricane Maria. Instead. They decided to take advantage of the precarious conditions of our electrical power grid engaged in a bribery and honest services wire fraud scheme in order to enrich themselves illegally. Oh, all government officials are entrusted with performing their duties honestly and ethically. The charged offenses are reprehensible, more so in light of PREPA and Puerto Rico's physical crisis. The whole country is screwed up. I don't even know why we're over there, why we're there. Uh, she's the agent, the FBI agent, Doug Leff, L-E-F-F. He says, while there's no known cure, I want you to think about this, folks. While there is no known cure to permanently rid society of corruption, there are certain powerful antidotes, namely arrest and prosecution. Thanks to our partners at the Department of Homeland Security, the Inspector General of the United, and the United States Attorney's Office, SWIFT, and certain justice will be delivered to all those who would steal funds from citizens most in need. Now, I'll tell you what. There's people in Yuba County. Yuba County is one of the poorest counties in California. We have people like I saw the other day. Somebody said that the median or the average, I'm not sure what it was, household income. Household income means all the people, the income of all the people living in that household could be two, three or more. One, two, three or more. You add up all their income, the average income or median is $50,000 about. And Robert Bendorf, the city administrator, the county administrator, gets nearly 300000 Now, if his wife is elected to be judge, she's now a prosecuting attorney for the Yuba County Attorney's Office. If she gets elected being a judge, she's going to make about 200000 that means that though both of them live in, together in Placer County, pay their taxes in Placer County, don't have to live with all this homelessness, but but invite homeless here. I got them all over my house because of Robert Bendorf. They're going to take a half million dollars a year to spend and enjoy in Placer County. Now, I don't I think if they want to live in Europe, uh, they can that's fine. I don't really care. I I will I do not stay up at I don't stay awake at night for anybody. I sleep good. But I think it would be best and we could help we could benefit it. I think public officials if they live where they serve, they do a better job because they have more skin in the game as Barack Obama used to live used to say. And my friend, Dr. Cassidy, when he came to town to serve in the Yuba County Jail, he, he says, I said, why'd you, why, where are you living? He said, I live in Linda. And I said, why'd you choose out there? And he goes to church out there. 
he went to church out in Linda. And I said, why did you choose out there? He said, because that's where the clientele, most of the clientele I tend to take care of live. He wanted to have a relationship with him. He's a part of this community. He has some skin in the game. But more and more, public employees don't want to live where they work. So they get a job here where it's a poor area, but instead of investing in this area, they consider their – it's kind of like the deal, will you donate to our cause? They said, I donated at the office. I'm in public service, though I get $275,000 a year. I'm in public – that's called public service. I think we should actually remove that from from eliminate when people make 150 200 250 300 350 450 they should not describe their employment as public service that would be called self service okay so I'm over time here and I need to finish this up so thank you for listening this week and uh if you want to be a tip volunteer give us a shout out Five three zero seven one three one eight three eight, and uh, if you run into somebody you don't know this week, be careful to be kind to them because they might be an angel and you didn't even know it. And it, and the Bible says to entertain them, be kind to them. All right, catch you later. Have a good week. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people.